0: football pod on OTB Sports
1: it's unreal even getting longer Football National League is back good times look at
0: this the positivity train go man Jimmy the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app OTB AM with Gillette put your best face
2: forward with our new and improved razors Alright, half past seven this Monday morning and lots for us to get our teeth stuck into. A massive weekend for Leona Maguire, a massive weekend for Irish Racing as Honeysuckle lives up to all the hype in front of the crowds properly. Um, uh, the dubs, what's going on? How, how excited are the Kerry people? The full crowds there, full crowds in our minds, our man Tyrone are back.
3: This is mad. Well, I mean, we we are back in in so many different uh, senses of the word. Like, I mean, on I, I, yesterday, just seeing now it wasn't the orange armad jersey, but it was a nicer version of the orange armad jersey being wrestled to the ground and wrestling back with all those Toronto players, which is a beautiful side. It was like two thousand and five all over again. The
2: boom is back. We are back. Life is normal once again. You'll be delighted that Armand um, and Toronto are going to knock lumps out of each other before they get to Coke Park. Now The carry the best team in the country again. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: well, I mean man not the best team in the country right now it's Armagh or Kerry don't right me, don't tell me don't tell me you're going to make Armagh Armagh going to leap 12 who, places in a week who came who had the stronger opposition do you think at the weekend
2: uh, well James not know who thought that Tyrone were going to uh, get relegated he didn't say that about the dubs so I'm just going by him your, your lads are telling us that um, Tyrone are just back They're, the league is the league for Tyrone this year as all Ireland champions um, but the dubs on the other hand is this full-blown crisis? Well, it depends in what context you're looking at the season. If you're expecting
3: Dublin to win in All-Ireland, then of course it's a crisis. But I don't think anybody's expecting them to win in All-Ireland. I think people expect them to be a contender. Now, is the performance on the fir- in the first half of Saturday a team of contenders? Absolutely not. But You're not talking Kerry down after the weekend, are you? That's not your natural imp- instinct. I haven't said here. anything about Kerry. Kerry were amazing at the weekend. Okay, okay. <laughs> Like Kerry we were absolutely brilliant. The the, the question was around the, uh, the, the the level of crisis in the Dublin camp and I just think that that's completely coloured by your view of, of how uh, favoured they would have been at the start of the year. And I think after last year, they'd come back to the pack anyway. So we know this. We know that, it, that anybody can beat anybody on a given day. Obviously, the magnitude of the lead that Kerry had struck up at halftime on Saturday was extraordinary and that was down to Dublin being uh, bad as much as it was down to Kerry being good. But I, I'm not entirely sure if crisis is the right word for it. I just think that there is... feels a bit like a crisis. It does. It does feel like one. But I think that, again, I think that you had to be realistic at the start of this year. And maybe, maybe we weren't realistic. Like, I tipped Dublin for the all Ireland, And I've immediately changed my my view of it after the first two games of, the, of the, the year. That actually you have to completely reconfigure how you're looking at Dublin right now. And it does take time. You've got to retrain your brain to, you know... Not expect a a thirteen point comeback uh, at the weekend, or, or not expect them to go and win every game in the league, or, or be in contention to win every game in the league. They're now one of the rest of the Division One teams, which means that they can be vulnerable to getting a pasting. What's well, Mayo next in Kroger? What a what a, the timing of that fixture couldn't be better. Yeah, it, it, and they have really struggled in that fixture against Dublin in the league over the last couple of years, haven't they? So uh, it, this is it's, it's obviously a revenge moment for for Dublin after last year. It's going to be the same venue and all that. But, again, is our analysis in the build-up to this match going to be coloured by what Dublin have done in the past? This notion of, you know, Dublin
2: always do take Mayo in the league. Well, it'll be interesting because perhaps uh, Desi Farrell did say that some players will be back uh, for the next game. The two weeks, they're going to uh, enjoy the two-week break because mm-hmm. it might give them an opportunity to get some more bodies back. We'll see. We'll see who's back.
3: I definitely do think our and Kerry have got Dublin at a good time. Uh, I, I do think that they are the one team that will grow into this and... As we've seen now at this point, their bench is, is a real Achilles heel. It, they're starters. It's, it's the starters that come back that are going to really make the difference to them at the moment.
2: Uh, I know we had full house for the New Zealand game at the Aviva in November, but the city wasn't full of New Zealanders. And so uh, the fact that there were Welsh people wandering around town all weekend, uh, the fact that there were crowds at Leopardstown, as we said, crowds everywhere, and, and it looked like Trilly on Saturday night was great. The moment I knew I was back
3: was uh, walking down the street in Chile, trying to get out of the rain afterwards and entering a pub and grace was being sung and by, in full voice by a lot of Dublin fans who had clearly left at like half time. They were all dry and <laughs> had clearly been on the pints for at least an hour at that point. Couldn't get a ticket because it was sold out, right? Or maybe that was it. And they had completely taken over the pubs, actually. The joke was really on the Kerry people because they couldn't manage to get inside the door of any pub in, in, in Chile and they had to stand outside in the rain as Dublin managed to, to, to sing their songs and uh, and take over. So so that was the moment. and I, I, I kind of... Thought that we were back and like I mean th- this is it, what's interesting is that there were there were trends that were developing before COVID that are now going to re-trend again and one of those things definitely was the fact that the Alliance League is like one of the, the greatest competitions in Irish sport it, it gives it gives a, I know you're throwing your eyes to heaven saying it should be the main thing and I totally agree but it, like it, it is. It is it's almost like a appointment viewing at, at this point, I think, uh, like in a way that it wasn't fifteen years ago. Even if Kerry and Dublin were the two best teams in the country and they were playing each other on a Saturday night
2: in truly, I don't think it's as But we need to dilute this <laughs> and have a one A and a one B. This yeah. is this is bad for everybody. This is this is a bad thing, Owen. This mm. thing you really like that's very enjoyable, that has energized the whole country is bad. Yeah. It's bad for you. And yeah. you don't know <laughs> you, you're not you're not educated I'm wrong. enough to know. That this thing that you love, that you feel great about, that makes everybody think, wow, this is amazing. You're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. You're, it's too good. <laughs> it's too good, Owen. Yeah. Don't get carried away for yourself. 7.36 this morning. We'd love to hear from you. Were you out and about at the weekend? Did you go and see a match? Uh, what did you make of everything? Uh, we're going to get to the performance rankings in a second. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock. Declan uh, Declan McGuire. Leona's dad is going to join us at 10 past eight to talk to us about a big breakthrough win. This is like every little mark along the way that you want Leona Maguire to do. She just keeps doing and blasting through it with incredible performances. And what an ambassador. The way that she spoke afterwards, her her social media, all that kind of stuff, just... She's leaning into being one of the leaders of Irish sport at 27. Uh, Cyril Farrell's going to join us at 25 minutes past eight to talk about the Galway hurling. We've got sports pages at 8.40. Anthony Moyle is going to talk to us about the weekend's football. Alan Quinlan about the weekend's rugby, the swashbuckling performance of Ireland absolutely annihilating Wales as we expected at 10 past 9 and uh, some Derek McGrath wisdom at half past 9 but at 7.37 a reminder OTBAM is brought to you by Gillette good morning start with Gillette but your best face forward with their new and improved Razors who is in this week's performance rankings let's find out
4: you know, that wasn't an all-Ireland winning performance. Probably should
2: have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World
4: Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performances have just lacked that intensity. Bam.
2: Okay, the way this works is we give away a Gillette starter pack for anybody who wants to get involved in the conversation. Somebody's in red, somebody's in amber, somebody's in green. You tell us what you want. Yeah, all
3: entries are allowed. I must say, the level of smugness coming out of you this morning is disappointingly lacking. I I I start with the red in the performance rankings. I should be more smug. You should be more smug. What's going to be in red in the performance rankings? Spoiler alert! It's going to be Wales rugby. Like I mean, it is the only place to start when it comes to the bad this morning. Like I may just move my microphone over to you at this point so that you have the floor. Oh no! What do you want to say?
2: I feel I feel sympathy for for look. This was this was we should have done this to Wales last season. Right, this was what what should have happened last year, but um, we're a little bit we were we weren't. I don't know. Would the, would the red card have changed things if Omani didn't get sent off? I mean, we came back from that stage and, and led afterwards, so I don't know. But um, like I, I, the other thing is, we probably should have put fifty on them. Is there a, an element there? Maybe, maybe if the weather's a bit better, we put fifty on them.
3: What about your level of satisfaction after seeing Ireland beat Wales?
2: Honestly, like. Uh, really hope that we continue to play well and that there's proper strength and depth because when the injuries happen what's going to happen in a World Cup quarterfinal? Like it's terrible but everything has become about this uh, how do we beat New Zealand or France or both? Mm. It's interesting just the lack of Wales
3: in your commentary there like there are people tuning in from all over Wales this morning hoping for you to just twist the knife a little bit you know that sort of thing where you just want to be punched when you're down just that that feeling, just to you know, make this, they're, they're this into punishment. Yeah, they, that's they get their that's their kink. Like I mean, and, and 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 that would be just 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 give it to them when they're down. You know, that's that's all they want this morning. And you were just,
2: uh, you're not I, feel, it to I feel sympathy. Okay. I, I feel sorrow. Mm-hmm. I really wish that uh, Margaret Thatcher hadn't ruined the school system. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, they look the shambles. All right, like bad, yeah. I and I I don't think it's fair to judge them with the level of injuries that they have. But then again, here's the thing, like. All the players who are injured will come back at some point and the majority of them will be available for them in the big tournament next year. And so they have a load of players now who have experience, who are young, who've been through this. We have a lot of players who have the experience of winning the year out. It's like this is our Grand Slam year, right? Hmm. I'm not sure did you see the
3: video that did the rounds on first take the morning after the Dallas Cowboys got knocked out in this year's NFL. Stephen A. Smith laughing at Cowboys fans like we should have done the exact same thing with you and, and Well
2: Trans this morning but it doesn't feel like you would have been up for that had we actually come to the table Well today. I mean if you'd sold uh, it to me prior, right i probably it's not, it's not not, too late you know I mean we should just have read the, the angry Responses to our stuff from the last couple. Of I mean, years. it's it's not too late to go into the Wales Online article from last week and. and there read was their definitely responses. some people on Wales Online going. You know what? I'm a little bit concerned. This might be true. Well, that is the thing.
3: Actually, there was. I wasn't sure if we were being yarred or if there was actually a real level of concern. I guess you can't really argue with the fact that their injury list was was full to the brim with lions, let alone uh, seasoned internationals. So it was always going to impact them a little bit. There was obviously deeper rooted issues in Welsh rugby that I guess you and myself I touched on last year as well, that we we kind of seen that there was maybe a lack of light at the end of the tunnel. And that then kind of rears its head in a, in a lack of depth and a lack of replacements when those lines do end up getting injured.
2: Yeah. Uh, they don't have the strength and depth they need, the identity of the provinces that they are, the provincial teams, the franchises that they have, has been completely diluted. Which, you know, is interesting. You kind of need to be careful about that, right?
3: Yeah, like, and... I guess there is this sort of intangible that we kind of point towards with, with Wales that you know, there they would always be dangerous regardless of the position that they were in, and I guess that can only get you so far. Um, I agree with the second point that you made there about Ireland possibly putting up more against them because Wales were very, very bad, as in, like, it was... Historically bad, it fell from a from a Welsh perspective. Chances are they'll get it right and just and and they'll go deep into the twenty twenty three Rugby World Cup. But as of last Saturday, they were a very poor side that Ireland came up against. Yeah, and, and look, the scoreline should have been greater for for Ireland. And like, I, I do think that that maybe it's not something that Andy Farrell is going to be too disappointed about when he's trying to control the narrative ahead of Saturday. Yes, Antoine Dupont has come o- come out in the last twenty four hours and said Ireland are favourites for the Six Nations this I, year I think he
2: said that at the pre-tournament remember at the, when we were doing our pre-tournament yeah. I think he said that at the press conference and they're only putting it out now type thing so, um, so that's, his, that's his line that's the talking point the talking point is Ireland are the favourites but hang on a second you just put in you're the world player of the year and also you beat the All Blacks in one of the greatest games we've ever seen mm. like France are favourites there's no getting away from that yeah.
3: and Andy Farrell did his best to put that ball back in their court as well but I, I, I think that like, I think that it was pretty clear for everybody to see that Ireland could and possibly should have put up a greater score and I think that that's it's just a lovely position for Ireland to be in where they've got a bonus point win uh, against one of their rivals and there is still plenty to work on and there, there is still this kind of realisation and maybe this is a historic uh, historical context of this as well there's this realisation that that bad days could be around the corner again so um, I guess maybe that informs maybe why you should be enjoying something like Saturday a little bit more but at the same time it kind of sounds another caution about maybe Ireland not being as clinical as they'll need to be in the games against France and against England because let's face it England will probably be a better side come the end of this year Six Nations than they were on Saturday
2: Yeah or, or England are using this as again the same thing it's like how are we going to find out about these players put them in a crisis situation it's a crisis now let's see how they respond like this is the year where England are traditionally rubbish. Yeah. And then they reach a World Cup semi final or final. And they don't like, tend to like not help themselves
3: at like in times like this. I mean, like taking off Marcus Smith in hindsight was a, was a bad call by Eddie Jones, I think it's fair to say. He's it's getting
2: like, slaughtered for it in the in English the papers today, yeah. Yeah, the
3: Harlequins coach
2: has come out calling it a premeditated move. Yeah, he said, he said the word premeditated like three times in eight seconds. So it was like, I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to make sure you all get it. And then it becomes the headlines too.
3: I guess premeditated in a coaching sense is is not the word you want to hear I presume when you're doing the coaching courses and it's like in game management do not premeditate is, is probably
2: probably the last thing you want to hear I mean there's certainly scenario planning but yeah. whether or not it's like no matter what happens if we're 50 points up or 50 points down or if it's a really balanced game and he's playing excellently I'm still going to whip him off mm. didn't work anyway
3: no and I guess Scotland have done England in, in, in back back years at this point but like, yeah, I, I do think they'll be much better as this thing rages on and that'll be because they've taken a couple of risks early in th- this year's Six Nations but if we bring that back to Ireland then I mean if there was and I know Andy Farrell denied it was a risk before the game but, but I definitely thought it was a tad risky throwing Mac Hansen straight into things at the weekend and it paid off handsomely it yeah, and pretty good yeah. It, deserving of his Man of the Match award just kind of like if there was no numbers on the backs of the players you'd be like okay who's this new midfielder well I would have said
2: Andrew Conway was the man of the match to be honest
3: yeah
2: or well uh, yeah I, I mean I thought that that first finish was absolutely sensational Hanson uh, was look really good he he totally deserved it or or you could have given man of the match to one of the front rows like um, Porter I thought the rip that Porter does was kind of like a, an NFL move mm. that they scored was that Conway's try off is that where that try came from? Um, I thought, certainly in open play, Andrew Porter is leaning into being world-class. You're like, okay, this is good. It's yeah. a good development.
3: Like, I mean, it, it could end up being like stuff that doesn't materialise or does, doesn't last for the foreseeable future. But certainly on this show, you've had people calling Tyke Furlong the best player in the world. And I think Fiona Hayes was yesterday saying that Andrew Porter is the best um, Lucet in the, in the world so like I mean you, th- th- that is the conversation that is happening ar- around these two players it's not like us get
2: carried away as a nation but um, yeah <laughs> that, that's what I mean it may, it may not be like France a, are favourites for that game by the way
3: right and um, that's not that's not a surprise that's, that's not a surprise there. Like I mean that's that's right isn't it
2: yes it is France at home should be favourites uh, France are a better team than us at the moment we'll, we'll see what happens
3: uh, will we move on? Yeah, go. Um, Brendan Rogers in the red as well. This morning they lost four one to Nottingham Forest yesterday. Played a relatively strong team. Leicester Nottingham rivalry obviously is something that's relatively fierce. You had uh, Forest thump as uh, depicted on the back of the mayor in the start this morning. A fan running on to the pitch, punching a Nottingham Forest player, getting a lifetime ban from Leicester City. Also England fans esque behaviour from Leicester fans
2: in Nottingham Forest. There it works. It works both ways because Forest thumped. Leicester and the fan thumped a forest player. So you see, that? it's like that's the tab of the morning. Oh, it is 100, that's it is. the type of thing. The guy sitting back smoking a cigar, going, I'm, my work here tonight is done. I'm not doing any more sub editing. I got forest thumped, lads. Off it's, go. it's the tab of the month,
3: really. And uh, yeah, you, you had uh, like garden furniture being uh being used as projectiles in a war between the the fans before the game as well something that looked like a Costa coffee was being filmed from within as um men in hoods grabbed steel chairs and threw them at the windows um which was kind of reminiscent of Marseille in 2016 or something yeah, like that
2: yeah or or was it man united leads last
3: year yeah yeah so uh that is something that definitely happened but uh on the pitch then, Leicester City were, were bad, very, very bad. They had more possession, but they didn't create anything. Nottingham Forest created more chances, were more incisive. Brendan Rodgers apologised afterwards. Uh, he come, come into a derby game looking to win the game, and he apologised for the, the lack of authority, aggression, the strong mentality, he questioned the hunger in his team. That's, he's seen some worrying signs now. And obviously they played Liverpool on Thursday. And, I mean, can a manager stock... Fall and disappear so quickly, just like that, okay, or or you thought so you have enough credit in the bank for what he did over the last couple of seasons. Not that to get really.
2: the money, not a job, or to be talked about any of those jobs at the moment. He he was he was right there for one of those jobs, and then it disappeared, a puff of smoke. I would say that that puff
3: of smoke probably came through when the they go through his Wikipedia and realise that he is a former Liverpool manager. And given what happened to Rafa Benitez at Everton, I would say that position is just hard in the Manchester United where they're like, this can actually turn sour pretty quickly. Yeah. It, the, the question I would have around uh, Brendan Rodgers now is, will he regret snubbing Le- or Newcastle United earlier in the season? Oh, is, yeah. is there a world where in 12 yeah. months' time, Newcastle are ahead of Leicester City in the Premier League?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, with the money they have, absolutely. you would, You would maybe it doesn't happen straight away maybe they've got the wrong manager but it's not i mean it's certainly on the table right mm. yeah i mean they're their 10th at the moment yeah
3: so it's been it's been pretty poor and obviously i mean vardy wasn't around yesterday for them like it feels like we've had this conversation a lot around jamie vardy and he keeps coming back and playing well but he is 35 at the moment. Like there, there will come a time when uh, Ian Acho is going to have to be the guy, and Patson Dacker is going to have to be the guy who who scored that level of goals to maintain that that um, that Leicester status as as a team that could, at their best, be challenging for Champions League places. And I, is that going to happen at, at some point over the next little while? I'm not I'm not convinced. For anybody who
2: didn't see the game, so uh, Harvey Barnes, James Madison, Adam Lukman, Wilfred Deedy, Yuri Tielemans, Kelechi Ian Acho all started. Yeah.
3: Obviously they have their centre back troubles at the moment, but Sion is back. They've got no Johnny Evans at the moment. Like it's I, I think that their uh, bill of health isn't one of the things that you can point towards and say that's that's a factor in them losing that game yesterday. I, in fairness I don't think Rogers pointed to that either. It's just been part of the reporting around the game. It's a it's a reason why they're intent in the Premier League. It's not the reason why they lost 4-1 to Nottingham Forest yesterday. It was a bad day and I and I think that Rogers has got he's got a tricky uh, position to manage at the moment. Like we've seen Leicester City Again, this was, I guess, a previous time, but they have been ruthless in the past with their managers, obviously with Ranieri getting sacked the season after he brought them uh, to the greatest story in in the history of the Premier League. Uh, so I'm, I'm not for one second suggesting that anything like that's going to happen to Rogers anytime soon because he seems to have a phenomenal relationship with the ownership of that club and he will have a lot of credit in the bank from snubbing Newcastle earlier in the in the season but things can ter- change very, very quickly in football and it does feel that the, the stock of Rodgers has unfortunately dipped over the last little while because I think if you looked at it in football and in football-only terms, he would have been a, a good Manchester United manager. I accept that a former Liverpool boss is probably not going to fit the bill at the club. Uh, if we move on then to the Amber this morning, uh, we've got G.A. officiating in here. I put this in Amber. I think a lot of people maybe think the, re- the refereeing was was shocking over the course of the weekend. We'll get to our Matt Tyrone. In a moment, but of course there was uh, a very bad decision made in the Kerry Dublin game on Saturday night, where Niall Scully just is is sent off for mistaken identity with a black card, who's sent been for mistaken identity. Was the goal legit? Should it have stood? I think there's an argument to be made that it possibly could have. I think that it, uh, like, so just explain exactly what happened. Give the give
2: us the sequence of events.
3: Like, okay, so I can't I can't remember which Kerry player gets fouled to be honest, but there was like a. It feels like it looks as if he's dragged to the ground right in front of uh, the goals and uh, the ball is played out to the wing and uh, it's chipped in. Shane Murphy seems to lose sight of the ball, hops off his head and into the back of the net. It would have been an own goal. And then the goal is given, the green flag is waved, the ref chats to the umpires and then after a period of consultation, he deems that the felling of the Kerry player in front of the goal would result in a black card. Gives it to the wrong man. Gives it to Mal Scully instead. But on top of that, he also rules out the goal. And I do think that there is um, a loophole in the rule book where it says that after consultation with your linesman or with with your umpires, that you can bring the play back and that the the, the score shouldn't be given. So there is a legitimate rule for that, but. I, I like I didn't see a clear enough picture of the foul, but it did feel at the time when it was happening. I was like, "This goal is going to stand." It was just kind of a home crowd thing where it was like, "Oh, that's a disgrace, ref," and all that. So I don't know. I think Dublin could feel a little bit agree
2: Well, I mean, if there's a foul in the build-up, there's a foul in the build-up.
3: Yeah, I'm not. Yeah,
2: um, I'm not entirely convinced though. Like, but I, if, if if Dean Rock shot had been kicked wide, would it have been a goal kick, a kick-out, or would it have been a, a free for the foul? It should have been a free for the foul because the foul happened.
3: Yeah, but I think that if the ball had gone wide, I think that it would have been a goal kick.
2: Well, then that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mistake.
3: I, I do think it was reactionary to the fact that the ball hit the back of the net. Anyway, it's like getting bogged down in, in uh, chats around referees. I, th- I thought that like in the tip-leash game, there was a case of a uh, mistaken identity in the hurling, and they managed to fix that. The, the referee realised what had been done wrong, and, and they managed to change the identity of the player who'd been uh, shown the line. And then in uh, Waterford Dublin, I think we had a game that illustrated the best of the black card in Hurling, where you had the Dublin keeper get sent off for 10 minutes after a cynical foul and a penalty that was ultimately scored. If you're the Dublin goalkeeper, you're thinking to yourself, I have to do this. And if you're the water for an attacker, you're like, "Okay, that's my reward for that foul. It it kind of is the perfect balance and, and, and it's not encouraging any cynicism. But you realise what you're going to do if you make the cynical foul. There's also the situation where they they bring on Nolan to come into to goals, so you're essentially using two substitutes in that moment to take off one of your players and then bring back your keeper back on when when you're, when the simbin is over. Um, so or he or just keep her on as as the case may be. But so that that's another little interesting quirk in it. But that that's that's just kind of the the, 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 the subplots. Of the officiating weekend, the big thing obviously was yesterday in in the Athletic Grounds. Uh, David Goff sending off five players in one fell swoop in uh, in a, re- a remarkable uh, moment of refereeing. It's it's hard to know. No The the thing is By the letter of the law It seemed that it it was The wrong decisions Wasn't it Because I didn't see any strikes I didn't see any uh, I didn't see a whole I didn't see five red card offences Wow In in the moment Yes it was unsightly Are you allowed to wrestle people Like You're not allowed But you're not sent off for it uh,
2: But if there's no If it's done with extreme malice Mm. Like How do you define extreme malice like a dangerous violence. play, violent yeah. conduct. What's what's the GA equivalent of violent conduct?
3: Yeah, like there was. Yeah, it definitely. Like I mean, it was quite fitting because all these Armagh players, in particular, at the moment, look like UFC middleweights, and I, I did feel that this is what we were seeing on the, the side of the pitch yesterday. Uh, it, it, there was there was something kind of fitting about it all, but I did did feel that if he sent watch. four off on both sides, would that have been more more correct? <laughs> no it's nothing to do with uh the unfairness like, of it all the unfairness of it all like i mean he he saw what he saw and clearly it, it, there, there was obviously some takedowns that involved like a a neck roll uh or or something like that which is really dangerous play there's no getting away from that so that's that's obviously what i what i think he saw but when i watched the footage back it did feel as if there was a lot of kind of like headlocks on the ground and a lot of kind of like pulling to the ground None of which would constitute red card offences.
2: Maybe we should make them red card offences. Uh, there's a Twitter account, uh, unofficial GA. Some firmly believe headlock and chokeholds are part of the game. It'll be a sad day when it goes wrong, but some are okay with that too. Um, there is there is definitely an acceptance that you're allowed to get somebody in a chokehold. That yeah. that's fine. Yeah, you can you can you can grab somebody by the neck and yank it around like. Um, are people unaware that the neck is not a very secure thing? It's not like your arm, where, and if you break it, it doesn't it doesn't really fix. Is it? Is it? But it seems to be grand. Like it literally it's, is. I've it's, never seen some of the manly thing to do is to wrestle somebody by the neck. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen
3: too many people sent off for it. In a sense, David Goff took the law into his own hands yesterday, and the outcome may be a positive one that if players are thinking to themselves well there's a serious chance of me being red carded for this
2: what are they going to do they're going to stop doing it sure what will happen is the red cards will all be rescinded and and we'll go back to being able to do whatever you want but then a a brawl like this will happen well no I was going
3: to say a brawl like this will happen earlier in the game they tend to break out later in the game you obviously have the situation of players pulling their opposite man down and getting him into a headlock late in the game to delay the play and you're going to take the red card at that point potentially
2: and what about the, the, the mini brawl in the wasn't uh, with more handbags or was there something similar in the Dublin Kerry? Um, I so okay, I need to kind of watch that full thing back. It felt like
3: it wasn't overly significant, but, but, but like I mean, it, I I would maybe guess that Kerry could have started that one. I did feel that there was something about Kerry on Saturday night where they were willing to start a fight. And it was interesting because I think like that John Fogarty piece in The Examiner last week about Kerry not being not having enough badness to win in All-Ireland, I think, was definitely true. I'm not sure, were they reading the piece? Have, have they been working on it? But definitely at the start of the, the second half... Uh, Dan Donahue, the the new player they've got in this year who's been outstanding, uh, was marking Dean Rock and he goes straight over to Dean Rock before the whistle is blown and just starts shoving him, just takes the fight to him straight away. Dean Rock is bigger than him, stronger than him, shoves him back and he sends him 10 yards backwards. But Dan Donahue keeps shoving him, keeps annoying him, keeps pestering him. The sort of stuff that if Armara Tyrone were doing to your team, you'd be really annoyed with the Armara Tyrone player doing that. Again, it's a tiny sample size. But, but hopefully the, but that's. The, the crowd tree. truly were like, yeah, you're a
2: fucking damn. There wasn't
3: was actually. It was just kind of in the corner that I was kind of watching. And I was like, that, I mean, fair play to
2: you, Dan Dunning. You're, you're half a size and you're doing that. I'm, so I'm, the violence is great when it's your team perpetrating yeah. it. Everybody else can get a red card, please. Uh, somebody slid into our DMs to say, safe to say the GAA are in the red tomorrow. The cash cow of Dublin fitting Croker looks less and less likely this year. And then the scenes at the Toronto match. Dub's in the red, obviously, too. Green for Ireland Rugby and Leona Maguire. Orange for the FA Cup. Um, I think that the Dublin supporters are more likely to go to more Dublin matches because there's a chance they're going to get beaten. You reckon? I think, yeah, I do. I, I Like, if you think back when they were getting 80,000 at the Leinster Final, yeah, yeah, true. it was because they thought that there was a chance they were going to be beaten it wasn't because they were um, certain of victory so we'll
3: see maybe the Dubs
2: fans are completely fair weather but I, I actually expect there to be a much bigger crowd at the Mayo game than there would have been maybe, maybe they do I think
3: you're underestimating how much they hate Mayo
2: like
3: uh, for a team that have
2: beaten well 22,000 is, is what you would expect right because that's kind of it's harvest between 18 and 22,000 is the yeah. official so I think it's, it's going to be more Yeah, yeah, no. People are going to be like, oh, let's go and see what happens. And there's fair weather fans in every county as well.
3: Like, I mean, once teams are winning six in a row, there's obviously going to be a whole cohort of people who want to hop in the bandwagon once you get to the quarterfinals and semifinals. It's only natural. And those people will still be there this year if they get that far. Um, We should move on to, well, like, I mean, sorry, just to mention on that. Like, I mean, Tyrone Armagh being back as a rivalry is one of the great stories of the last little while. Football needs it. It'll be like 2005 all over again potentially this year. And it will be an absolute travesty if we don't get to run ma in the championship at some point this year uh, there's a strong argument to be made that, that, that they are the two best teams in Ulster so it should happen but Donegal and Monaghan and
2: Derry will all have uh, something to say about that we've got to fly through these because we're really late but Shane says David Goff's performance deserves a mention in the rankings yeah but where do you put him do you put him in green or do you put him in red I think it depends on what you think is the right thing to do good morning lads imagine now if the Ireland was tied to the league positions and bottom two wouldn't qualify says Shifty lad the championship will be on baby imagine imagine every single match from this point forward would be like an absolute it would be dynamite but no we (laughs) can't have it David Goff David Goff should be in both red and green red because it was a mad decision but also green because it was a mad decision says Brian Dillon lads the Irish team had less caps than the Welsh so while they had injuries ours was younger which is just as exciting although agree we do need to develop some areas such as halfback depth says Matthew Rye and Eddie Jones deserves to be in the red Marcus Smith with the Johnny S performance hauled off when England needed the most, that's the thing. Like, do you think maybe? Do you think maybe somewhere deep in the dark recesses of Eddie Jones' mind, he's like, Nah, this is too good. This is too good. It's too soon. It's too soon. Putting putting down too much tape. Exactly. We're a year. You're a year too early, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, we we can, we know what you can do, George Ford. Off you go. Go on. Go on. Slaps him on the arse and he's like, Oh, we lost it. We lose to Scotland. Second time in a row since the first time this happens in the eighties. This is a disaster. Mm.
3: Yeah, get get your money on England for the 2023 Six Nations and to make a 2023 World Cup final, I think. If we move on to the green this morning, a couple of things here. Firstly, just to quickly mention Sadio Mane, who has to go into the green this morning. Uh, won the African Africa Cup of Nations for Senegal last night. Scores a winning penalty. Missed a penalty in normal time and it was one of the worst finals in a major tournament you're ever likely to see Egypt have completely shithoused their way through the entire tournament and it was a win for football that they were beaten in the final the ball was in play for 40 minutes and 26 seconds of normal time which is uh, not very good uh, to put that into uh, a bit of context for you uh, they kind of uh, they left the pitch at the end as well before Senegal represented their medals just to truly fit out the bill of being villains and then to, to cap it all off as well um, Mo Salah doesn't even get the opportunity take a penalty uh, leads him as number five on the, the list the same as Cristiano Ronaldo against Spain in Euro 2012 after Portugal had done a great job of nullifying Spain for 120 minutes they leave their best player as taker number five now the thing is Senegal also left their best player to taker number five and the story went totally in his favour where he emphatically uh, dispatched to the back of the net and it was a great penalty this time uh, it, the penalty he missed in normal time was interesting because Sala tells his goalkeeper which way to dive. He's obviously been watching Manay take penalties in Liverpool trading and uh, like Judas kissing Jesus on the cheek
2: tells his goalkeeper which way to go. Yeah, I, I would have put Honeysuckle in the green this week. This is the Daily Telegraph, right? So, you know, we, we know the Telegraph. Long-time supporter of Ireland generally in all things, everything, you know, like a big Irish. They love they love Ireland the Telegraph. Uh, two pages. One page is Leona Maguire and the other page is Honeysuckle and... Uh, Rachel Blackmore, that's like a double page spread of Irish women's success. Um, pages 18 and 19, the Sports Experience Daily Telegraph today. So, Leona Maguire
3: is in. 100%. I mean, uh, fitting that she won the Drive On Championship at the weekend, the most Irish sounding name in any golf tournament. Um, and, like, I mean, listening to, to Leona Maguire afterwards, you, you don't overly get a sense of the magnitude of what she's just achieved. When you listen to her and the tone of her voice after... after, Like, I mean, she's clearly elated. She's clearly absolutely delighted when you look at her body language. But I just kind of heard it on the radio yesterday before actually watching some of her post-round interview, post interviews. And it is just that constant level-headedness that has been a big factor in getting her to this point, you suspect. The fact that, I would say, on the flip side of things, and during her disappointing days, you wouldn't have been able to hear an overt level of disappointment in her voice either. And just that sort of... She even said it herself yesterday, or or on Saturday, that her planning has been meticulous her career has been meticulously planned you know staying in the amateur ranks for quite some time to perfect certain areas of her game getting into 2021 and having a stunning year where she obviously has that, that 61 at the Evian Championship and then the Solheim Cup where there is this massive arrival of the Deona Maguire I feel anyway into the Irish public consciousness that can do I suspect, strange things to to the psyche where you're like, wow, what a year. I'm going to go and enjoy Christmas and attack next year. Doesn't really enjoy Christmas. She's out on Stephen's Day, from what we're hearing, uh, on, on the range. And morning, noon and night, she she is out there on on the practice screens bringing a level of work that her coach Shane O'Grady has compared to Paul Drake Harrington over the last little while. And Paul Harrington, his big thing was, I know I'm not as talented as as all the other players on, on tour or some of the other players on tour but I'm going to work my ass off and work harder than them and that's going to lead me to, to the promised land and that's exactly what Leona Maguire has done as well she's going to win a major at some point over the next little while a fantastic story that uh, she got her first win because she said herself that was the
2: one thing that was missing from her 2021 Alright, uh, we're going to talk more about Leona Maguire in just a moment but that is this week's Performance Rankings OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette OTB.
5: It's incredible to to be the first Irish person and to show that it is possible for from a girl from
6: a, a small little town in Ireland to to be able to compete against the best players in the world and be able to
5: win on the LPGA.
2: Right, I'm delighted to say Declan Maguire is with us this morning. Declan, how are you getting on? Great, Tommy. Uh, to to you it, it's Geron Owen here as well um, can I can I bring you back to um, after the Solheim Cup we, we we chatted after that and your level of excitement at that stage was huge and the whole country's was as well Owen's just made the point that it, that was kind of a, a coming out party and just to that level where now people are going to be following every step of the way there was just a natural kind of expectation that a win is going to come but at the same time the psychology behind that and the ability to maybe just rest on your laurels is something that most sports people are going to have to, to battle. <clears throat> Pardon me, it didn't seem like that was ever... There was no sense of that at any stage from Leona, that she was going to rest on her laurels, that this was this was her time to kick on.
6: No, definitely not, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, the, the Marison Royal there, that uh, world record holder, his view is, you know... Uh, if you climb to one branch, then you reach for the next one, and I think Leona has the same philosophy. It's you know, she raised that hand at the end. It's you know, it might be the, the first win, but Leona's already looking to the, you know to to get another win behind that to back it up. Um, she's not going to rest on the laurels. She she will celebrate. <laughs> She'll enjoy herself, but uh, she wants now to you know to back that up and and get back into you when she gets home next week. She'll be back with Shane, back with Joe, uh, back with the whole team around in the Sports Institute and she'll be looking to get to the next the next level, the next, next branch of the tree.
2: The other aspect, so there's, there's two parts to that. One is just the, the competitive drive and the ability then to deliver on the competitive drive and the ambition and, and it's all being perfectly managed. But the other side is the personality where she's clearly embracing the fact that she is a leader. She's, she's conscious of the fact that there are young girls all over Ireland and young boys all over Ireland watching somebody from small town in Ireland succeed. Even the the tweet last night about the can see, can be. Like that whole movement is something that she's been very happy to be part of, which we don't often see from from sports people. They're not conscious of the fact that they're role models or they try and keep it at bay because they don't want the responsibility of it. She's definitely leaning into that.
6: Yeah, no, she's comfortable with that because she knows herself, you know. uh, She got a lot of help along the way. You know, back to the, I remember the time that Darren Clark put a lot of time into the Darren Clark Foundation, and he brought them up on weekends, you know what I mean Lisa and herself, uh, Oren got to them as well, where they got up for a weekend, all good golfers, You know, anybody that maybe had won some tournaments or were doing well at, at junior golf, Darren brought them up for a weekend, they were treated like pros for the weekend, got the latest equipment and, uh, you know, putters, wages, whatever, and I think Leona has led on to that. She's given, she hopes to be, you know, giving something back and encourage, you know, because that's what it's all about is developing the game, encouraging other young golfers or young people to to get an interest in sport and particularly girls because, you know, and especially in the teenage years, you know, it tends to, maybe more girls tend to drop out, you know, whereas Leona's view is, you know, Keep playing, you know. Couldn't be doing anything better than to be out in a golf course, or if you are into running, been out in the running track, or ladies' football, or whatever it might be. And if she anything she can do to to help that, she will she will do that.
2: It's great that she's using her her platform at the same time as being successful. That she can juggle these responsibilities because, again, we keep hearing from the sports people, "Oh, look, I am in my bubble. I don't really want to get involved. I don't want to talk about anything beyond the next game." But actually, Leona's like, "I've got an opportunity here. Get out, get out and play. Like, dream big." That's
6: it, you know, it's a case of, you know, if you don't dream big, you're never going to get there, you know. Um, you have a certain amount of talent, you know, as that Bill Belichick used to say, you know, talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling, you know what I mean? And, and Leona, you know, there's probably a lot more talented golfers that have been around than Leona, but Leona, when she, you know, I think she lacks in talent, she'd make up in character because she will give it every last drop she has, you know, to to achieve what she wants to achieve. And she she is very driven. She's very focused. Uh, She'll need no stone unturned. She'll take the advice that's going, you know what I mean? And she's got a lot of good advice. Um, You know, she had a phone call over the Christmas there, Zoom call with Paul McGinley. And he's been a great mentor to her now over the last number of years since she turned pro, uh, as she was turning pro. And it's people like that that has given to her. And likewise, she then... You know, there's no issue with giving back to to other people and encouraging other people to to you know to you know maybe someday you know match her and even be better than her.
3: What is it about the message that someone like Paul McGinley gives to Leona last Christmas? Is it, is there a certain aspect that she worked on in between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two? It's
6: I, I think the biggest message you know that the Paul put across to her you know is there's no magic formula. It's 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 simple things done well. You know, small if you're making changes, small changes. Don't change anything. Don't be too drastic with anything. You know, look for the small areas that you can improve, not for the massive changes where you're going to, you know, get the latest thing that's on on, you know, the new coaching thing that's out there. You know, no stick with what you know and stick what you you do well. And, you know, improve your improve your Strengths and and look at your weaknesses and I and mean, not focus too much on weaknesses, but you know improve every aspect of your game. You know where you can get small changes and not be thinking that you're going to get massive changes. Like there's no point, Leona, thinking she's going to go out in the golf course and outdrive drive Nelly Karda, you know today or tomorrow. That's not going to happen. So it's it's a slow process and you focus. And I think that's what she's done. And I think you maybe heard her there at the weekend talking about the time she's put in there lately on on wedges and that, and it's paying off. You know where she. But like uh, Richard Bland, there you know we were talking about that last weekend and how well he had done in that tournament, you know he I think in the in the last nine holes, you know he looked out of contention in, in that event that that um he ended up in the playoff that Victor Hoblen won, and he had to get up and down three times for par, which he did, and then on the seventeenth, you know where they were all sort of driving the seventeenth he he laid up, wedged it in. Hold the body, And he did again the same same on the eighteenth where he, he laid up and then went for his third shot and ended up boarding to go into the playoff. So it's it's playing to your strengths really. And that's what, what Paul McGinley, you know, stressed to her. Play to your strengths, Leona. You know, know what you're good at and focus on that and then try to improve in in small graduation as you go along.
2: Uh, the other thing is that um, there's been pressure I suspect in, in being so well known at the forefront of the women's game in Ireland but every step of the way she's been able to deliver does she feel that pressure does she get inspired by that pressure is, does it not exist what's that relationship like
6: yeah no yeah I think Leona she's one of those characters that you know works on pressure you know I listened to Andy Farrell there at the weekend you know talking to you me know, he was saying you know they were asking him what he liked about the jet and he said he loved the pressure of it you know been in the the heat of the battle or whatever I think Leona loves that I've always said that Leona's always at her best when she's in the mix on a Sunday or Saturday whatever the last round is if she if she is in the mix at that stage you know what I mean she uh, whatever it is she just seems to go into a different zone at that stage and she, she never backs off she won't back off from anything you know I know on the maybe on the 18th the other evening she knew that she had nothing to gain you know what I mean by going for the, the green and two so you know, and I'm sure Dermot had a big say in that as well, that he wouldn't let her go for the green. But had she needed to go for it in that situation, she would have gone for it. She wouldn't have backed off either. So that's, she She just, I think pressure, you know, for some people pressure, it, it's it's hard to manage pressure. And uh, it probably ends up at the end of the day, making the difference when when you get into a tight competition, whether you can handle pressure or not. But I, I'd never fear from Leona owner, you know, in that situation, she... You know, it was like Solomon Cup, you know, when she got Nelly Carta and, and Jessica, she loved that. And in actual fact, I think I said that to you maybe the last time. Yeah. On the last day, she was hoping she was going to get Nelly Carter, You know what I mean? She wasn't looking for, you know, an easy match or anything like that. It, when, she, when she's in that situation, she will want to play the best and she will want to match herself off the best. She's not going to say she's always going to beat the best, but she will always, I think from, we started playing... I remember when the started first. You know, they were going to America to play in the junior tournament. We entered the the ladies' stroke play event, and there were only twelve at the time. And I, I'd say a lot of people wondered what the mentality was entering the Irish stroke play at twelve, and you know, why were we even there? But the sort of mentality was, you look, that this is the best scenario Ireland at the moment. You, we're going to see what the best is, and then from there we can work a plan. And I think that's what we've always tried to do: is is look at who's the best, and then try and get to that, you know, match yourself against them. You know, and it's like, it's like all the teams there in the last, you know, six years, you know, Kerry and and the Mayos and that, you know, they've been looking up to Dublin and Dublin have been the best. And, you know, they might be going through a transition at the moment, but they have been there, you know, as an example to everybody to, you know, what to achieve. And that brings the levels up of everybody. And it's the same idea with Leona. Leona will, will work off the best and, hopefully, uh, you know, one day get to that world number one place, you know, as a result.
2: And does she change do you find when you actually, you you know, you get to a point like the Solheim Cup and the response is so great, like it's absolutely sensational, it's historically good, the response that that point you're talking about um, you know, when you're in the mix on a, a Saturday or Sunday, that Leona rises to the occasion, every time you get the confidence of rising to the occasion, does she become even better at that point because the the risk taking and the the aggressiveness is something that gets validated in a way.
6: Yeah, that's it. I, I think, you know, it, it's a huge confidence thing to, to her. You know, the Soling Cup probably gave her that really self belief that she can compete with any of them. But then she, you know, we talked to the, you know the other night after, you know, this one she had to do it on her own. Um, uh, but I think when you do it once you know that that was my little bit of fear or whatever I suppose you know from a parent point of view is that you know lots of teams lots of individuals get to a stage where you have a chance to win and for one reason or another you know a bit of bad luck or maybe a wrong decision or whatever you just don't get it across the line and then if that sets in you know it can have you know sort of a lasting effect and it, you know it's always there in the back of your mind so I think the earlier you can overcome that hurdle, the better chance you have of going on then. And I think that's what what the weekend will do to Leona. It's, you know, she knows herself, you know, it's only one tournament. It's early in the year. You know, she probably, even at this stage, you know, uh, Joe that plans out her whole, you know, program for the year, um, wouldn't have been thinking she she would win this early, wouldn't be picking up for this early. So hopefully there's a lot more to come as the year goes on.
3: Declan you mentioned that she is pretty pressure free when it comes to these white heat of, of battle moments what yeah. about yourself and and the family was it a pressure free moment for you watching the conclusion <laughs> on Saturday night uh,
6: yeah no I, I, I'll be honest lads I don't I'm not a great fan of watching when the understand. <laughs> uh I prefer Breida watches everything and as I you know I'd be sort of maybe thinking what could go wrong or what what mightn't happen you know what I mean and uh, I prefer to kind of either watch at the end, or, or rewatch the whole thing afterwards, and then chat to her about it. Then I'm, I'm I, I don't really enjoy the watching of it, to be honest.
2: Well, you're, you're going to need some help with that, I suspect, because yeah. you've got like a long future ahead of you of watching Leona yeah. be in contention. So, so I don't know. Do you need uh, a few sessions with a sports psychologist yourself? <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but uh, no, in sports psychology, in, in fairness, you know, Leona, she had the chat with Carolyn Corr over the Christmas too and and, you know Caroline I think I told her you know look I'm very impressed what you're doing and I think you're you're in a good place and you're in a place to win so that reassurance from someone like Karen Curd that has been up there with top teams you know them and top uh, athletes I think that gave her an extra boost of confidence as well knowing that look I don't need to do anything different I just need to stick to what I believe stick to what I'm doing stick to my practice routines. And, and as you said yourself over Christmas, you know, I've never seen her work as hard as she did over Christmas this year. You know, when people were home and, you know, that's Leona, she, you know, she want, likes to be in her own bed and likes to be in her own, you know, surroundings or whatever. But, um, and everybody else probably was watching, you know, the Christmas movies and, you know, and good day whatever you know what I mean uh, Leona was really really focused this Christmas probably the most I've ever seen her,
2: and her herself and her sister have become a great team as well I, you know I know you guys obviously weren't out there but like it's great that there is a family member on the ground keeping her eyes and ears open and just making sure everything's okay
6: yeah no Lisa has been terrific for, for Leona you know what I mean and, and it's brilliant it was a brilliant decision and modest to, to keep Lisa involved because you know when it comes to all the, the organizing in the background, you know what I mean? Making decisions on, on certain things, whatever Lisa's there and Lisa's puts Leona's, you know, interests first, you know what I mean? It's it to have somebody that was there that played at that level. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, as an amateur, Lisa probably was as good as it was around, you know, European individual champion, name and few, you know what I mean? She Lisa been there, sort of done it. Now, uh, Choosing a different route now, you know what I mean? But Lisa or Leona couldn't have better than Lisa in her bag. And um, that, and on top of that, Dermot Warren, who came on the bag last year. Uh, and that, you know, Lisa was a sort of, to be honest, a, yeah, made a call on that to Leona, you know what I mean? I advised her, you know what I mean? And then when Dermot became available, it was no brainer. And I think he's been a big, big plus too for for Leona, you know, in terms of what you were mentioning earlier, that whole confidence to have somebody that, you know, she said herself when she was talking to us afterwards, you know, when Altamara had those run of bodies at the beginning, you know, Dermot was ultra calm, you know, just stay patient, stay patient. Your chance is going to come, you know, keep waiting. And, you know, terrific that it did. And, you know, I think that gives you that bit of confidence. The only the I know, you know is that, you know, if Dermot says something, you know, he's not just saying it for the sake of it or, you know, he knows what he's talking about and he's been there, he's done it, he, you know. And again, Paul McGinley, I think, had a, had a, an influence too on, on Dermot coming on the bag and, and, that's been a great plus
2: as well. Ah, look, it's brilliant. I mean, it is it is sensational that, um, you know, the, 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 the markers of success have all been surpassed all the time. You know, the Solheim Cup, it's great to get on the team, but then you go and you dominate. And then it's like you can shoot low scores as good as anybody. You can go toe-to-toe. And it turns out, inevitably, she is going to be going toe-to-toe with Nelly Corda at some point, And there will be some major prizes on the line in the future as well. So she's going to get what she wants as well. That's the other thing is like all the thought processes, all the hard work, all the advice is all kind of coming together at the right time. It's incredibly exciting, Declan.
6: Yes. (laughs) No, it's, at this age of the year, you know what I mean, with the restrictions lifted, you know, people, you know, have had a tough two years. You know, it's it's funny, you know, yesterday I was down my sister had a a serious operation there just before Christmas and, uh, I went to visit her yesterday evening and, you know, she. You know, she's. Uh, um, difficulties. You know, after as well. So, and but it's amazing the lift that it gave. You know what I mean to, to Kitty and the family. You know what I mean to distract from. You know, you know the health problems she's had or whatever, and um, it gives a lift to people. You know, when something like this happens, and no, no more than like you know. It was a brilliant weekend, at a sport, you know, starting Friday night at the 20s, watching them, you know what I mean? And the future Irish rugby's great, then Saturday the matches, you know, so the golf, you know, had, we're very, very lucky to have that, you know, when, especially in January, February, this time of the year when everything's dreary and the weather's not so good and so... It, it just gives everybody a lift and, and long may it
2: continue exactly Leona brought a little bit of Florida into our lives on Saturday evening which yeah. you know we're, we're very grateful for congratulations yeah. to everybody and, and thanks a million for joining us again Declan No, thank, thank you and thanks
6: for all the support
2: it's, uh, Declan McGuire there. you're going to hear from Leona on Golf Weekly this week she's talking to the lads tonight uh, if you want to listen to that get over to otbsports.com uh, and, uh, or Golf Weekly on Patreon and you'll be able to hear that full interview with um, the newly minted first ever Irish winner on the LPGA it's an incredible story
3: ah, it, it is and it is one that I'd love to get sort of the the inside track on even like currently over the next little while, it's really interesting that she's coming home for a while going to the Sports Institute for a while like this career has almost been created in a lab and it continues to go in that direction. Well, the, the planning around everything and 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 what the next step is going to be is very very interesting.
2: Paul Fitzpatrick put her on the uh, Mount Rushmore for Cavan and uh, had to argue with people on on Twitter about it. Uh, it turns out he was correct. Hopefully, he'll write the book that gives you the inside yeah. track and all the details of it. Um,
3: Although we, I mean, we've got a fair degree of insight there, to, to say the least. Like I hadn't realized that Caroline Curd had been involved in the Leona Maguire story in the not-too-distant past. Paul McGinley's influence had been mentioned um, last year as well in the, the aftermath of the Solheim Cup, but he consistently seems to have an interest in Leona Maguire's trajectory. He'd obviously noticed the path that she was on some time ago and realised that she was destined for the very top. And, I mean, it's it, it would take someone like Paul McGinley to, to properly understand what that, that, um, that winner's mentality actually is, and that is... Clearly, the the one of the most important things that's taken to her to where she is at the moment.
2: Yeah, and and just to reiterate, I I don't think that we should take for granted the fact that she's willing to talk about being a role model because so many sports people are insistent that oh, I'm just a business person. This is just my job. I have no connection with that stuff. I, I'm not paying any attention to that. That's for other people to decide. She's like, no, can't see, can't be, can't see, can be. I'm part of this movement, and it's a wellspring of uh, very important conversation that we're having around female participation and dropout rates and all that kind of stuff. She's like, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to use my platform for the benefit of the the society that I've come from. Many of uh, our other professional sports people are footballers and are golfers and uh, they could learn and take a little leaf out of Leona Maguire's book, I would say. OTBAM is brought to you by Gillette. Good morning. Start with Gillette, put your best face forward with our new and improved Razors. It's 25 minutes past eight. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can... Um, WhatsApp the show? O eight seven nine one eighty one eighty or of course you can always uh, get us on uh, Twitter at off the ball AM. Now plenty of GA coming up next on OTBAM as we focus on the intercounty action. We also had the intermediate and junior club hurling and football finals at the weekend. Nay Speak sixteen points to one eleven, Mooncoyne uh, twenty two points, Bally Giblin one eighteen, Kilmina of Mayo, eleven points, Gwilla of Kerry one six, and Streelstown Brian Oggs from Derry. Beat Trim three fourteen to 2-5. Boland was in Croke Park on Sunday for the football finals. Here he is talking to Streelstown manager Hugh McGrath on who the club is named after and why they've retired the number five jersey.
7: For anyone that doesn't know, that they, were, they, they may have been looking
1: at the match programme there today, even on, on the TV screens, noticing there was a certain number
7: not there on the club. Can you just give us the reasons behind that? And again, regards to even the club name.
1: Yeah, well, look... Uh a lot of years ago, a young guy that meant a huge deal to us, who, who would have been captain of that team today, no doubt whatsoever. Brian Old passed away. Um, you you wonder about how you can pay tribute to somebody like that who's such a huge character around your club, at even a young age of 17. For us, it was a no-brainer. It was just, yep, we, we are very happy to that, pass that name to our club. Uh, he wore the number five, he wore it with absolute pride. Um, we didn't think anyone could fill that jersey in the same way that he did, so that jersey was retired. Um, Stage down Brian Oaks uh, Brian played with an absolute appetite for football. Just had just a tenacity that you just couldn't match. Um, this this team have paid him a huge tribute today with not only the way that they played today, but the way he played to get here. Um, you go down to fourteen men, and that, and that spirit just came through the spirit of Brian Oakes, trooper and, and we're very happy for his family that they're still part of of our group. Um, I can tell you now that they'll be very proud people tonight, and, and I hope they've enjoyed this run this year.
2: Hugh McGrath there speaking to Di Boland in the aftermath of the game yesterday uh, very emotional and uh, obviously uh, those club matches again some incredible stories emerge from them uh, every season so you know it's great that they got the opportunity to play those games in Croke Park and um, you know maybe we get to a point where the the stories get the full excavation that they need uh, 28 minutes past 8 this morning here on OTBM a reminder it's brought to you by Gillette good morning start with Gillette but your best face forward with the new and improved Razors uh, we've got Cyril Farrell with us this morning. Cyril, good morning to you. How are you?
7: Morning, how are things?
2: Yeah, good. Well, we start with Galway. Um, obviously, it's very early, but uh, encouraging signs. Plenty of goals scored anyway.
7: Yeah, would you believe uh, goals scored and goals missed, would you believe? Like, but uh, Conor Wheeam was on, was on read form yesterday, showing he's a top-class player, like, and he tormented off the defence. Like, you know, not around what he scored. He made a lot of great scores. He was on top all through It was good to see the likes of Dottie Burke back full-back again. And Gareth McInerney kind of got a wonderful goal, travelled from half-back, uh, lined the whole way up. And everyone thought he was going to pass. And I said to me, say, awfully defensive to it, it seemed to open up like, like an ocean. And he kept going and just kind of, you know, a lovely little flick into the net. But overall, God will be happy. Now, look, Offaly aren't at that level yet. To be fair, they've skipped... You know, they kind of skip the league, Gerrard, so like, uh, kind of, a, they're, they're playing above what, what they should be playing, as, you know, and they're probably going to get a lot of beatings on the way, so it's important that they kind of keep their shape and keep positive, because it's hard enough to take these beatings every weekend.
3: Uh, Gerold McNerney doesn't usually get on the score sheet, Cyril.
7: No, 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 he got a goal in the point, actually, and it's very funny, you know, the young at the match, every time he got the ball after that, was saying, go on your own, go on your own, they want it more excitement, but you can go the half-backs were attacking like They or well on top. Joseph Cody was midfield again with a new guy, uh, Ronan, Ronan uh, with, with him. They, they played quite well, you know. They'll be happy enough, but like they'll, they'll find out better where they are next weekend against Limerick.
3: You mentioned the influence of, of Connor Wheelan there. I mean, it does feel that uh, maybe some of the noise around him has, has cooled a little bit, just because all the noise has been directed towards Limerick over the last little while. He's still like a, like an unbelievably young man and has shown. Great class over the last couple of seasons, despite Limerick's success. But where is Conor Whelan? Where does he rank in terms of inside forwards playing the game at the moment, Cyril?
7: As uh, was at the moment, I, I think he's one of the best. He's very strong, very, very good to get his own ball. He's not a type like you could have ball past him, but he's had to win his own ball, high or low. And like he's very aggressive, very kind of low trajectory down near the ground. Now he's a strong guy, but very, very strong down near the ground. Great to get possession and get the possible anchor scores. At times he takes them. From, Impossible shots when to go over, everyone is happy. You know, if they don't go over, of course, everyone's got to give notes of watching you trying, but like he has that as anything. Like, he's as good as anyone around on the lead sideline at the moment and maybe stronger than most.
2: And for Sheffield, obviously, he's going to be a key player. Uh, you, you know, you, you need to build a style of play that gets the most out of the available talent. It's very early, you know, again, as you said, we've got to take this the fact that Offley have skipped the league, as you said what 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 are the patterns of play that are emerging? Because it does sound like he's kind of the prototype Kilkenny forward that Shefflin will will look for.
7: Yeah, well, like I'd say, Shefflin is trying to get kind of, he's, he's, you can see that he's trying to build up the middle for a start, all big men. You know, yesterday he had Dahi Bork full-back and he had Gero, 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 and McInerney kind of centre-back, wing-backers. They're there now there to move around so much. Midfield, uh, you know, he had Joseph Cooney and Ronan, uh, they're all, they're young Young, uh, uh, young then and they're big men as well. And he had a Jack Case. He's been tried six to four Now Jack would play most of his club. He plays all his club hard with lemons, which we as a back, but he's a big, strong, strong set under the high ball. Now, you know, he had a good first half, kind of fade the second half. But you can see what he's trying to do. It's more speed with strength up the middle. And Henry would be like, say, from the, school, the Cody School, he'd expect everyone to be to win their own ball. Okay, he likes to pass, him, but you have to win your own ball first. And you can see that kind of coming into the play.
3: That's. Pretty much in the context of Limerick, sir. This, if we're calling it straight here, that they are leaning into the fact that they are a team who seem well capable of matching them physically.
7: Well, yeah, like that, yeah, that's the. the you know, they're 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 the template now. If it was really they're they're the, they're the benchmark. Even though like they got, I'd say they got a surprise yesterday. It was a great, was a great lift for Wexford after being hammered the day the week before by Dublin. But like, uh, just shows you like the mantle of champions. Like it's hard to win every game, but that won't worry them because early in the year they'll still be hot players But like people are beginning to show what you have to do to beat them.
3: What is that? Do you think?
7: Well, I think first of all you have to, you know, you can't give them easy possession. You have to fight very, very hard on every ball. You have to crowd the middle really, like. And when they have the ball, you don't have to dive in. You have to kind of cover cover their runs. Everyone has to cover their own. Like if there's a wing forward going up the pitch, like say the corner forward has to board his man. Everyone kind of it's all the defence once they're on the ball because if you give them space, they're very good at kind of these flick passes, twenty or forty hours like whenever have are moving. And you know that's the one thing that Wexford they yes, just they made it a battle. Now anyone that goes down to to, to Wexford park it's going to be a battle anyway because the more the pierce stadium there's always a breeze in the place like and uh, they're very useful down there like so like it was a great you know yesterday it was a great day for them and it was a kind of no it was a wake up call probably to, to Limerick and it won't make it any easier for a goal to go up next to Limerick because like now Wixler or uh, Limerick will be going to say no 4 Ward we have to get our act together mm.
3: Uh, That's a uh, brilliant timing for that fixture as well. Like it, it's interesting when you talk about what Wexford tried to do yesterday to, to, to make it a battle for Limerick. It felt that Waterford. Had some success in doing that in the early stages of their game in the championship last year against Limerick, and obviously, kind of Limerick blew them away after that. Is it a sense, here where you almost need to pick your moments against Limerick, where you tear into them for a little while and, and almost need to just time your challenges and, and time the ferocity of the challenges a little bit better that's, rather than saying we're going to do this that's, for, that's, for 78 that's
7: minutes? 100%, 100% sure, because like last year, what Walford did for a good while, we weren't there to maintain it. So as you say, when you're attacking, when you're fighting for this ball, you have to be ferocious in it. But when you're defending, you have to be the very same. And there's time when you have to just, everyone goes into defence mode. And Water are getting, you know, they're a bit like, uh, bit like Limerick that way. They're, they're developing on the whole time. But the big thing yesterday for, for Westwood is the likes of is back on the, on the pitch again. A big influence in Westwood. Matthew and they had great games at the back. Now, the goal was maybe fortuitous enough, but it was a good one. Young Dwyer kept going, okay, he scrambled a good few yards, but like he got a shot in, you don't usually get away with the shot. Like that Limerick from line is still very, very good. Like they, they didn't let anyone down yet, but definitely it was a kind of a day. metro Hanlon, Paulie Foley, these guys really stood. They're strong men and they stood up to the, they stood up to the mark and they'd relish that kind of a challenge.
2: Limerick, if you think back to last year, they had a narky enough league. They were getting in scraps. They were getting in fights. They were losing games. They were winning close games. There was red cards. There was some red cards that weren't given last year. That's kind of like... That's in them now in the league. Do we do we run the risk of reading too much into this,
7: or is this actually? Ah, yeah. Look, you can't read. This time of the year, like you're doing well to keep warm, and you know, certain players will be up. That was a big. No, it was a big for It was a big game for Wexford yesterday, especially after kind of failing to perform against Dublin. Like uh, you know, Derry Egan, the new manager, and he wouldn't. Whatever Bobby be beat me, this performance, like the lack of fight uh, today against Dublin, I say was alarming to him, and he made sure that, that was that definitely was going to happen yesterday, no matter what else happened that they were going to kind of, you know, die with their with 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 their, their hearts, you know, kind of pump and they were going to pump it into everything. They treated that game more like a like a Leinster final or an all Ireland final Limerick was just going down to play and maybe Limerick would would uh, a good well they don't that that, that many new lads but maybe they'll begin to leave, believe the hype about themselves which can be a very uh, dangerous thing. But I believe they've they've got the they've got the surprise or the shock in time to, to rectify all that.
3: What about the depth of this Limerick team, Cyril? Do, do you think that there is a, enough there, say, like, I mean, it's impossible to avoid the comparisons between Limerick and, and the great Dublin team and the hallmark of that Dublin team was the substitutes that they could bring on that were just as good as the lads coming off. Do Limerick have that same level of depth?
7: Well, they tried a few yesterday, like uh, Young Cochrane's good hurler, wing back and O'Neill up front is a good hurler. Like, but you see, it, it's hard enough to, you know, they're playing colleges hurling now at the moment too, like they're playing freshers into a guys. it happens with, with UL. You know, like, but, you know, they are good. Hurlers. And there's other lads there, the fringe players there. There's a few from the Pirsic. We aren't on the panel at the moment, but I expect to get back on again to, like, you know, David Dempsey, these guys. They're, they're still good hurlers, like, you know, and they're strong. They've been around the clock. But look, with Limerick, they'll avoid, they'll try to avoid injuries. And when they have everyone back on song, they're still the team to beat, like, they're not going to be gone overnight. Like, they'll take this in their stride and, you know, just to kind of use it as a learning exercise. And if for John, Co- uh, Co- uh, you know, for John. Co- uh, you know, uh, for Kylie and and Tenirk, and, and it's, it's happy hunting ground for them because there's something to work on again. Now, oh, look, lads, this has happened. No not mind, the, mind the papers or the pundits, is all the appraisement that you have to get down to work. So that's what they'll be doing. You know, I'd expect, I'd expect them to bounce back.
3: This weekend's kind of an early marker then for, for Galway potentially, Cyril.
7: Yeah, it is, yeah. It's early for Henry in the sense he'll know where his players are and he'll know where the new lads are. Like we we kind of know you're going to get out of Dahi Burke and Joseph Cooney and these guys you don't know about the new lads so it's nice yesterday like Tom Bonham who's been there before Ger but like, was always injured he Had a fine campaign last year in his club Crockwell and like, he showed it again yesterday the other lads are coming in now most of them are playing Fitzgibbon hurling with the with the two uh, colleges in Galway and uh, they're kind of out during the league you're Brian Concanano got kind of off yesterday injured and that'll be you know that'll be the you know that' would be a concern for Jeffrey Dis, who's over the New nu team like you know because he's good. he's one of kind of the regular well. but they're, they're all a lot of these guys are playing double matches during the week, so it's will be soon over of course' be just down over in or down in a single county
3: you, you can take the invitation here to overreact to anything you've seen so far in this calendar year but but who do you think is the second best team in the country at the moment
7: well do you know a team that's impressing me at the moment? Now I know it's early in the year and they only drew, shall we say, only drew yesterday. But Dublin are impressing me because everyone is telling me, well, they're very, very fit. But like you can see, the pattern under Holland, they're at it. Guinea has had it for three or four years. They're playing the short ball, the long ball. They're supporting play off the shoulder, taking teams on with the run, with the running game. Now yesterday. Oh, I only saw a bit of it in the highlights. I didn't see it all, but yesterday the, the two teams were the same. You know, Watford played the same as Dublin, or Dublin played the same as Watford, more or less like Limerick, and maybe just not up to that level yet. A, a great game. I, I expect, to me, that so far, at the start of the season, Dublin has been the team that has, has impressed me in the sense that, that, you know, it was a beating yesterday not to get defeated, you know, like that, that they got the draw, and they're kind of going about their business every day, and it'll be interesting to see can they maintain this journey. If they can. If they can, they're going to be the dark horse, especially in Linster. When I say dark horse, to me now, you know that they are playing well enough to be, to be contenders for anyone. But they're kind of, they're still new on the block. So people expect them to be very fit this time of year. And then it comes down to Drew real whirling, that they won't push through. But maybe this group are a bit different. They're, they, you know, they're a good few years of of you know. and you can see they all know what one another is doing or trying to do anyway.
2: Cork obviously need to overcome the ghost of what happened to them in the All-Ireland final last year. No better way than to rack up a big score. I'd love to see them come through a close game in the next couple of weeks just to, to see that
7: yeah, there's no the, hangover. Yeah, over. glad you fellas like coming through from that under, very good under-20 team as well. Look, Cork are very good here. like here. Their skill is lovely to watch and you, if you give them room, as I always say, if you give them room to dance, they will dance. Like you know, But even the beaten player well on uh, Saturday evening, they still conceded a lot of scores as well, which is worrying. But like, you you know, on their day, they can, you know, they'll hurl anyone. Look, look last year with Limerick, like Limerick with their physicality and hurl, type of hurl, it just blew them out the gate, which they're capable of doing to anything. But I think Cork will learn from it. And, you know, the, their underage structure has gone very strong the last few years. So, like, it's bound to come true eventually. Like, and, uh, you know, they, they don't need much to give them confidence in Cork. Like, they'll be, you know, even getting beaten, to be fair, them they'll always stick to their own. They're, they're confident anyway. in A win or two in the right places, but, like, Munster is tough here. Like, uh, the championship in Munster is, is, is very, very. It's, 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 no, it's a savage championship, so that that's going to be a test for them. But I expect them. You know, they have they have good hurlers, and uh, you know, it's eventually going to come true.
3: Hey, just one last thing from uh, the weekend, Sarah. You mentioned the Dublin Waterford game, good game, and also it seemed that the rules are working. What's your early impressions been of of the black card this year? Because it does seem that in that, if you're taking that game in isolation, that it's had the desired effect.
7: Yeah, I, I think, Joe, it'll be past that Congress that will come in fully, like, whenever they have a look at it, it seems to be working anyway, like, you know, a lot of the Harlan uh, fraternities didn't want to come in and they don't need it, but you can see that they do need it, really, and it's working well, and, you know, it's it's, it's the referees' interpretation of it, like, that's, that's the big thing, really, but to be fair to the referees that I've seen in the last few weeks with the Welsh Cup now and with the League, Met, they're doing very, very well, like, and the uh, with all the little tweaks, a lot of the supporters that are roaring at them don't, under, don't know the rules. You know, it's important that they explain it to everyone. But I, I can see it being kind of coming in for... for uh, per- permanent and it was lovely to see yesterday as well no break because like uh, these breaks would turn out to be like volleyball or that that you could you know you make the first 15 or 17 minutes and you survive and like I know it was for a few water break which everyone was used as a coaching break as well and you could re- kind of reorganise yourself and reset yourself and you usually found that the team that was doing well in that first water before the first water break is, you know though the crowd though the team the opposition did better the second time around so now like if you're under the cost, you're under the cost. There's a full flow for the 35 minutes. I think it's a better contest that way.
2: Yeah, I think you're dead right. That's uh, going to be very interesting to see what, what happens because you won't have the chalkboards or the, the little board out. Oh, no,
7: no, no or... you can have them. You can have them at half time inside the dressing yeah. board. There's a long way to go. It's, it's a, you know, that last five or six minutes, you can be up a good few points and a few soft scores and you're not up what you should be, or you can stretch the league going into half time, which, which is a great time. Then you get in and you know reorganise ourselves again the other way around like it, I know it, it fulfilled its purpose like, but to me it's great to see back to 35 in a and flat out
2: Cyril great stuff great to have you back thanks a million
7: no problem thank you
2: Cyril Farrell giving us some thoughts on the weekend there um, the thing about the, the uh, black card and, and uh, oh that's not a goal scoring opportunity but like Kyle Hayes gets the ball in the half back line. it's goal scoring opportunity and yeah. <laughs> Ernie gets the ball it's a mm. goal scoring opportunity do you know like ah oh, he's too far from goal no this is hurling. You can score from anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Be one man and you're through one on one. And like, they can hit the ball pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, like, I I guess it's uh, the
3: the moment you're kind of talking about there is, is possibly one of the Gaelic rounds last year. That, that uh, temporary moment where somebody was fouled out by the sideline and there was the, the, the double jeopardy awarded to the opposing team. So that that annoyed a lot of people. and And I think maybe more clearly defining it could work in their favour. I, I can't like to I mean the the Vote Points Congress over the next little while about that goal scoring opportunity and and the number of metres you need to be away from the sideline, for example, makes sense. It'll just be interesting to see how it's actually carried out in practice because it's it's already a pretty hard game for referee. Uh the the last thing the referee needs is to be thinking to himself, is that twenty metres away from the sideline? Is it 15 metres away I can't really tell so it's a confusing game but I, I, in, by and large I think I think the yesterday kind of showed that this will have a really positive, impa- positive impact on the game
2: A couple of comments from a little bit earlier on if you want to get involved you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream Matthew Rye says lads the Irish team I did that one sorry less caps um, uh, Eddie Jones deserved to be in the red Marcus Smith with a Johnny Sexton-esque performance hauled off on England need most some more Shifty lad was in touch again to say, "Joe, you always quote, never give a sucker an even break. Put your foot on the throat and push down on poor Wales. (laughs) I mean, look. Uh, France play England and Scotland away. Historically terrible venues for them, says Dahio Shocknissie. You're
3: going to regret this morning for next time Wales beat Ireland. You're going to be like, 7th of February 2022, I had the opportunity to really stick the knife into Wales rugby and I didn't take it. They know. They don't need us telling them. I mean but it's not about telling them that I mean they know all the details it's about you
2: lording it over it's you just giving us some entertainment on Monday morning more than anything else do we bring in Henderson for the French game Byrne is a great player but the French are a bit like tanks I mean maybe he gets on the bench oh, f- Henderson's pretty good
3: for- Byrne's a great player like, is that, well, what's it? he is pretty good is that You're- suggesting that Burn doesn't start
2: oh no Byrne starts sorry you put Henderson on the bench instead of, sorry. Instead of Ryan Baird isn't that it yeah, Byrne is a great player with the French I uh, um He's yeah. saying sorry, Kevin Callahan thinks you bring in Henderson for the French game and have Ty Byrne on the bench. Which yeah. you could do. It's a bit harsh. It's incredibly harsh. I don't think that um I don't think that Byrne's weight seems to be an issue anymore because he keeps dominating in games. Oh he's too light to to be this. no. This is seems to be okay. And also our front row is good. Like we have we have other collectively, by their powers combined, they are ten Tigers. Yeah. I think that um you know that oh you can't put him on the team. He's not a tight headlock. We need yeah. Quinn Roo. Yeah,
3: I, th- I think that. I think that narrative has has changed quite a bit. I think it's it's funny, for business. Yeah, yeah Burn Ber- has been absolutely sensational this year. It's a grace. Like I mean, the, the whole talk in this part of the world is oh, there's not enough second rows or we don't produce them naturally, or whatever. Um, and I think if Henderson is your sub coming off the bench or Ty Burn. I mean that's an, that's amazing depth like of course you're hoping that all three players are going to be fit and James Ryan in a, in a fairly traditional position and that's not always going to be the case but if if those three are, are always fit for Ireland it is an incredible selection headache for, for Farrell uh,
2: The Ring Rose try was after the Porter rip that's right yeah. says, uh Sean RL is that Sean Rugby League or Real Life either way thanks Sean Fergus Keogh says Sexton was man of the match Potentially, yeah, I, I, I would have been happy with that. It did. It felt like Mack Hansen was like, "Well, we need to talk to this guy. We need to," but they could have talked to him anyway. Ah, no, I. I he was I, very good. Yeah, I would have had him in MOTM. I probably would have. I, I was, MVP.
3: That, I, cause without the, the couple of uh, errors after tea, I probably would have had Sexton. And granted, I mean, if you put yourself in that position, you're going to be the, under magnifying glass. The,
2: the curvature his he had the full tricks of the golf game out as opposed I'm just going to kick this straight through the post Yeah, and it was like whoa banana kicks today yeah and then he doesn't they, go with the banana kick for the third one from the know. right side. yeah are they, um, are, is that reliable under
3: under pressure and like you well know. he was saying that it was due to the wind and right. that his miscue in the first half was that the wind blew in the wrong direction or stopped blowing just at the exact wrong moment okay yeah, so that was that was his analysis.
2: OTBAM brought to you by Gillette. Good morning. Start with Gillette. Your best face forward. With their new and improved razors. We'll give away a Gillette starter pack a little bit later on in the show. If you want to enter, just tell us who you think should be in our performance rankings: green, orange, or. Red, certainly in the red. Dublin football, is it, is it in crisis? Anthony Moyes is with us this morning. Anthony, good morning to you. Good
4: morning, gents. How are we? Yeah,
2: good. Owen is unbelievably excited and desperately trying to rein in the level of excitement. He, he had a f- There was a, a full meeting with the uh, Kerry Mafia in the aftermath of the game. There's no Kerry Mafia. And the, the, exactly, the first thing, the first best trick that uh, the devil ever um, pulled was pretending he didn't exist. Uh, here's the thing. They know that they have a team now and uh, they're they're trying not to overreact because it was only Dublin, it was only this Dublin team, and so you can't yeah. read too much into it.
4: Yeah, and uh, you know Dublin are in transition, etc., etc. You know all the excuses you can have coming out. Um, yeah, they have a team. They have a team. Um, I don't think I don't think anyone's ever going to suggest that they don't have a team. But um, what impressed me most about Kerry, I suppose, was their was their defence. Actually, um, you know, we we probably questioned it a little bit last year. Um, as regards their setup, um, but they were rock solid. At the weekend. Now, listen. Dublin did not help themselves at all. And um, but, like I mean, Kerry from the get-go, you could see it in that You could see the intent. The intent was to be, you know, aggressive in the face of the Dublin players. They got a number of matchups right. You know, Barry always has a good time against Fenton. He annoys him. He gets in his face. He kind of just follows him, tracks him around the place. Um, and Bar a bit of a spell in the second half. He did that pretty well, and he put the shackles on him. But, you know, they, you know, some of the new guys they brought in, they were weren't afraid of the, the the physical stuff. They were certainly getting in the faces of the Dublin players. And um, you know, look at the end of the day, I actually think they could have been well out of sight at half time, even more out of sight. You know, they 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 missed they missed probably three to four relatively easy chances in the first 10 minutes when, you, you know, fellas might say, oh, the players were getting their eye in, but Gainey missed in handy one, Clifford missed, I think, two. Um, you know, and you were kind of saying, actually, their scores, they should have had. They probably could have been seven or eight or nine points up. And actually, you know, I think the scoreline in the first quarter um, just flattered Dublin, really. Uh,
3: so if we just stick with Kerry for a moment, then, before we get into to Dublin, like, those... Uh, question marks around the defence is there a case to be made answer that that those question marks kind of rear their head mostly when Kerry are under severe pressure say whether it's Cork in 2020 or, or, or Tyrone last year and that it will very much be jury is out until they're in one of those very high pressure scenarios and we will see how they hold up because I guess being 13 points up at one stage in the game doesn't necessarily constitute a high pressure scenario.
4: No, it doesn't, On you're right, but at the same time, you can only do what's put in front of you, you know, so, like, I mean, they obviously decided after last week, okay, Dublin are coming down here. Now, look, we get into the dubs, as you say, but because they definitely, it was a massive factor. Um, in their naivety and their tactical play and their strategy you know which was which which left me a bit kind of bamboozled but you know the Kerry guys were out in front they were they were tackling hard they were hunting in packs they were very organized you remember I don't know if you guys remember but last year they had they had they seemed to have a bit of a situation where there wasn't really that much communication going on players were drifting to other players you know there was a kind of a thing of you know there was a lot of um, effort and an awful lot of kind of uh, uh, um, you know kind of rush to the ball and uh, what I got was this sense of fellas who were really trying hard but they were you know kind of leaving their brain a little bit in the dressing room so they were rushing to a player and all of a sudden there was a guy in behind and pop pass over the head goal you know stuff like that and actually the, the opposite of course was happening at, at the weekend so you got you got I think they were they were they were calm you know they were they were much more disciplined um, I thought they were more in control. Um, they were very, very confident at the back. Like, I, you know, on a dirty, dirty night, they were well able to play the ball across their, across their own uh, uh, goal line. They were handy enough going back to the keeper. You know, they, they, they epitomized coolness, I suppose. Now, the Dublin tackling wasn't overly great in the forwards, um, and they did kind of allow them out handily enough. But the big thing for me own and the massive change is their speed now coming out of the defense like they have no problem there's no going back and across the pitch as soon as a man gets a ball especially with his back uh, where he's facing his own goal he generally tries to turn himself um, and just take off um, and you know there was a number of them murphy did runs like that obiuglick did some great runs up the pitch where he just you know especially against the breeze he managed to carry the ball 40-50 yards. A couple of hand passes off with other guys, and, and Morley did the same. You know, and their speed coming out of defence, like some of the Dublin guys were just flapping at them. And actually, some of the Dublin guys actually just stopped chasing them. And um, their speed was, was 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 so immense coming out of it. So, they, they've they've you know with a couple of guys like White to come back, you know, you're starting to say this unit now is really really strong. Um like some of their speed coming out of defence actually surprised me. Like as I said, they were they were they were they were carrying the ball and actually continuing to to move away from Dublin players which is which is very rare you know you usually see the chasing guy obviously start to catch up um I thought midfield was very strong I thought O'Connor had a, had an unbelievable game um, and he's becoming a real leader and he's becoming the guy that he allows Barry do his his dog work and he's the guy that just has that extra bit of class and extra bit of talent that he can kick scores he can do whatever you want, want yourself but um, no they were, they, were, they were very impressive so although you might want to dampen it down I yeah, think I'll have a look at it what, what age is Damon O'Connor? What, what
2: 22, 23 so, he's just, so he's, this is kind of his flowering into one of the leaders of the team
3: yeah like I mean, it's interesting. Like I was kind of watching it back yesterday, and he was interviewed as uh, part of the man of the match process, and, and he was saying that himself and Jack Barry are kind of eager to get back in quickly and get a bit of consistency under their belt because that has been the issue with, with Deirdre O'Connor. Has just been a little bit inconsistent over the last little while. He's been frustrating to watch because everybody knows his ceiling is outrageously high. He is the potential next great midfielder in Kerry, and he showed that on Saturday night exactly where his ceiling is at. What's interesting is that kind of like standing in the terrace on Saturday night, it seems that Mike Quirk is having quite a big influence on what Kerry are doing against the kick-out. He is communicating directly almost with Dearwood O'Connor, telling him what to do at each kick-out. And obviously Kerry had done a lot of work over the last seven, eight years on Cluxton's kick-out, for example. It seems that Quirk in particular is having a, a big influence on that midfield at the moment. Well, if you look at it on, on the flip side of things then, Anthony because I'm really interested to get your take on this there was a moment then in the, in the second half and this is just kind of like plucking one moment out where Dublin had a free kick maybe 60 yards out from the Kerry goal so it was a dead ball it was the opportunity for them to show us what their preferred style of play is and I can't remember who took the free kick and I know they had the at their back but it goes straight in long into the Kerry full back line and Kerry gobble up the ball and they go back down the other end of the pitch but what is the what is the, the the plan there from from Dublin in that moment? Was that just a sense of desperation chasing the game, or are they really not sure what they're supposed to do in those moments? Because that is not something we would have seen recently from Dublin at all.
4: Well, I I think I think there was small little instances of that. Um, Throughout the game, you know, and and it's funny, like we we spoke about the veil starting to slip a, a little bit last week, you know, and I think everyone was kind of putting it down to, ah oh, well, it's a team in transition. And of course, it's a team in transition. But what's 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 I think where the question marks are going to come is, is that, well, albeit that it's a team in transition, you still have enough All-Ireland winners on the pitch. Um, and there doesn 't seem to be any semblance of as you say identity or strategy or you know who are we what what kind of play and, and, and are we going to set up? you know, smartly against the team. So you, you end up in a situation where you're going down to Kerry, you, you, you lose the toss. So you're in you're in a pretty horrible situation, but all the pressure all week was, oh, you, you played the ball over and back, too many hand passes. So straight away, they start to try to play the ball in direct into the full forward line. Um, on a dirty night, the ball isn't perfect, it's bouncing around, and the amount of times Dublin turned over the ball from, you know, kicking 60-40, 50 50 balls into their full forward line from 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 way back. Like, and I think I remember the one you were talking about where it was kicked from, you know, way too far back. It was actually landing on around the 21 with Kerry guys just running out looking to fist the ball. So, like, for me, you're kind of going, like, what would you look to do there? You could look to go down to Kerry. You look to try to frustrate him the first half, especially playing, playing against the elements. You're going to say, right, we're just going to lock this down. We're going to get at least two players on Clifford and O'Shea inside. We're going to have a man-man mark and Paddy Clifford to stop him trying to be quarterback the game. But like, I felt sorry for Davey Byrne. Like, Davey Byrne was eventually hauled off Clifford and ended up playing kind of a, as a half-back. But sure, the poor fella, I'd say, was dizzy at that stage because he was marking him one-on-one. He was getting turned left, right and centre. He had no help. The ball coming in was absolutely perfectly played in by the Kerry lads. So you were kind of going like there's there's not just one thing and I, and I think it's it's cheap and it's kind of it's it's lazy just to say ah oh, it's a team in transition like you know Dublin have, Dublin have got a, a number of question marks over them there's a there's a point if you want to really watch and you look at the identity of Dublin from here to a couple of years ago there's a, there's a free actually on around thirty minutes and Howard is taking it and I don't know if you remember this but there was a bit of a delay so Howard has the ball. And he's probably standing just inside his own half, um, close to midfield. And there's players all around him. The Kerry guys, to be fair, had kind of marked up on the Dublin players. Um, and as the free the the whistle is blown to take the free he kind of looks across and there's a diagonal pass on but obviously he says to himself i don't fancy that it's across the pitch it's against the breeze it could go anywhere but all of the dublin players are just standing there's about eight guys in the picture um, and all of them are standing beside their carry man pointing towards the the, the diagonal pass but none of them are actually making any major attempt to get free for him so of course he's standing there no one's really you know they used to always have the outlet just behind you just kick the ball back and you'd start the process but instead, he kicks this aimless 50-yard ball up in the air, down between two, a Kerry guy and a Dublin guy. I think it was Dean Rock. And by and the way, the ball gets broken. It comes down. And if you remember, Kerry work it across the far side of the pitch. It comes to Clifford, and he kicks that unbelievable score where he feigns to go on his right, turns inside, and kicks it on his left. Um, and again, one-on-one. On one. And if you watch again, there's Dublin players tracking back, and no one makes an attempt to try to double up on Clifford and help Davy Byrne. So like, just in those... I mean, if if you're doing video work from from a Dublin perspective this weekend or or this week, should I say, you're looking at that microcosm of of two minutes and you're saying, lads like me, this is everything. This is this is you wouldn't see it in junior football. You know, like, I mean, it, it, was as, it was as amateur as you get. Um, and, and it was so un-Dublin-like. Like, don't mind, you know, we haven't got scores on the pitch or not. But there isn't, I don't get the semblance at all that they realise, you know, what they're actually doing at any moment in time. And, 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 the, and the thing about Dublin in those last number of years when they were in the All-Irelands was in every single instance of every game, whether they were behind in the last couple of minutes, there was a feeling of... You know, we know what we're doing in the moment, and we know what we're going to do, and we have already practiced this. And I just get the sense that that that's not there anymore. Mm. Uh, we'll
2: get more good evidence one way or another after the Mayo game in two weeks. No, no better opponent to roll into town to uh, to test you. The way Mayo are, are, seem to be pretty happy with life at the moment, apart from some of the injuries they're suffering. Let's talk about Arman Tyrone, though. Um, uh, the rivalry is back. Arma are back. A full house. A feverish atmosphere. And uh, more red cards than you can shake a stick at.
4: <laughs> yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> well,
2: let's start with the rivalry. Yeah. Uh, and I, let's start with our Armagh, because in fairness, they deserve, like, what we've seen from them is a style of, pe- of play, patterns emerging, a physicality that is, like, years in the making, a manager reaching the full potential of, of his own, like, massive levels of experience now at this stage, 15 years of intercounty management.
4: Yeah, it's amazing actually. You know, when you think back, like he 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 has just managed to kind of get that tenure to kind of unbeknownst to people. Like, I mean, it's a long, long time that he's been in. He's been around uh, obviously the intercounty scene. Um, and as you say, Jared, massive experience. Um, the team has definitely been in the making. Like, I mean, you can see them the physicality that they have. Every one of them is well able to, you know, ship tackles, hit. Uh, do what's needed they're all very very athletic Um, you know unbelievably athletic strong runners Um, there's a couple of areas that they need to improve on and i'd say there's a couple of areas that kieran wasn't too happy about in the second half Um, but let's look at the positives first you know i think they i think they look they got off to a great start the goal was probably a bit fortuitous but at the same time they probably should have had another one after it Um, i think they had tyrone on the rack you know very much so very confident play and they were running really 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 hard actually so much so that I think they probably emptied a bit too much of the tank in the first half because they kind of fell off a bit in the second half but they wanted to start fast they wanted to set down markers with Tyrone you know typical kind of probably you know post all Ireland hangover Tyrone were kind of in it but weren't really in it until they woke up in the second half and said right you know we're getting the we're getting the lard beaten out of us here lads time to stand up so um it was a great test for McGinley great test for Armagh um you know O'Neill didn't have as good a day as he had the previous week although his two scores in the first half were fantastic um but you know you're, you're Hamsey and the boys started to tighten up as I say and started to try to you know impose their physicality on the game and you had a situation where it became a real ding-dong battle in that second half like a a, you know a brilliant brilliant game um building like i mean there's no doubt about it Ulster, we said it last week um the level of competition there is going to be savage again this year um and he has a he has a brilliantly mobile unit who who just to counter the, the argument that i have for dublin none of them do anything that they shouldn't do and i don't mean that they're hamstrung by it but if you watch Oak Burns, for example, a lot of the time he comes down the left wing at pace and he will invariably look to dish the past off, you know. So he'll, he'll, try, to, he'll try to suck in players and then he'll look for them. And a couple of times you're kind of saying, geez, he probably should have taken a shot there. Um, but he doesn't do it but actually in the second half when they were really under cosh, it was about 60 odd minutes gone he got the ball coming in off the end line if you, if you remember down the far end and there was no one else around and, he, and it was a really really big vital score actually it was a score to push them back out because Tyrone were all over and he took it and he kicked it so you're kind of saying you know these guys are all well prepared you know they're, they're, they're playing to a style um, they have a few things to work on jerry i think when tyrone started to run at them they, they fouled a bit too much in the second half where there was loads of bodies actually they had eight or nine bodies in that central area they protect that central area very, very well. They generally pull back a midfielder into that central area, and he will look to come. And, and kind of like what Dublin used to do with John Small, he kind of acts as that plus one. Um, and and they don't give much away, but in the second half, they were kind of throwing hands in, and they were fouling Tyrone a bit much. Um, and actually, they, they, they kind of, due to their probably indiscipline, they let, they let Tyrone, one of, the, one of the factors to let Tyrone back into the game. But there's no doubt about it. He's building a, he's building a very, very strong squad. And a team that you know what, they they should go very far. They should go far in this championship. How
3: is there something that our math fans can look at over the last two weeks that would give them hope that it's not going to be a situation like say Galway in even in twenty eighteen or, or even in twenty twenty. I know COVID played a part in twenty twenty where you have these unbelievable starts to the league where they're taking out some of the best teams and things just fizzle out a little bit especially once the the championship gets up and running because it certainly feels to me as if this is real this is a legitimate All-Ireland contender in Armagh
4: like do you share that confidence? It's hard on you know I think it's hard to keep those levels like you even see the match yesterday the amount of hard running that they did yesterday um they had a very different animal yesterday to dublin last week so they, they couldn't just spray those passes in and kind of play counter-attack football tyrone kind of sat in and said listen you're going to have to try to beat us um with some you know kind of interlinking type play in the first half which they did you know and it worked it very very well um and tyrone tried to catch them on the counter but their ability to run back and then you know clog up space like i mean they really expended a massive amount of energy there is a there is you know i think talking to most coaches they will tell you that it's still a long season and trying to keep fellas at that level and trying to keep them fresh and trying to keep them kind of really enthusiastic about things and just, you know, hopping off the ground. That's, that's the massive challenge. And when you decide that you're going kind of, you know, flat out on the league is to try and maintain that through the championship because other teams such as like Tyrone will probably have it off a little bit and they'll start to gear it up as they go through. So that's probably going to be McGeany's biggest challenge. I would reckon uh, is, is is trying to maintain that level of consistency, you know, Uh, but um, to be fair, you know what he's right they, they have the division 1 you know it's there they they can't be the whipping boys and they need to set some markers down so he's going about it in my view the right way what about throne yeah i think they'll be okay jer i think i think they would be happy enough yesterday you know they've come off that pitch and they'll go we were well out of it we 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 were you know we could have been got the lard knocked out of us we could have been 15 16 points of a hammer but instead we stuck in we dug in uh we matched whatever physicality was being thrown at us uh and as a matter of fact we caused a bit of panic in the armada like there was about two or three points in it and the camera switched to mcgini mcgini didn't look like a happy boy you know he was he was he was worried um so Tyrone would say to themselves no you know we're we're okay We, we were coming back fellas got time fellas got minutes in the legs um you know, there's still an unbelievable team for some of their cornerbacks to come up and pip scores. You know, like, I mean, it's a great thing to have where you're, where you're up against that mass defence and the ball goes out to your number two or your number four and they're confident enough. Like Hamsey scored another raker of a point yesterday. McKernan kicked another great score. So it's that kind of thing of... Not a lot of teams have that. Sometimes you, you know, you see the ball going back to two, three, or four, and you're saying, "Well, he's not going to shoot, so all we need to do is stay on our main guys again." But with Tyrone, they still have that ability. I think they'll be okay, Jared. They're, they're, they're building. You know, they will be. They will be as strong as ever. And as a matter of fact, Canavan was getting more game time yesterday and was kind of linking well. So, you know, they're probably adding a little bit more. McShane, obviously, as well, coming back and, and getting the game time. So. No, I think I think he'd be happy enough if they were bet by kind of nine or ten or you know, and it just petered out. I'd say he'd be saying to himself, right? Do they have the do they have the fight in them again this year? But I think they showed enough fight um, that you know, I don't think they'd be too worried. Too much fight with the red cards, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look, I think this stuff of. The dragging around, it like I'd rather a fella stand up, square onto me, and you know the two of us duke it out than a fella kind of grab me behind by my neck where I'm kind of a little bit unbeknownst to what's going on and drag me down. It's quite a dangerous thing, to be honest. Um, you know, I think I think it is. I don't think. Look, there was so much going on, and it went on for so long. You know Goff was nearly like a fella sitting down with a box of popcorn at one stage he was just kind of sitting over there kind of saying yep yeah, him and i love him um and i think what he mostly reacted to was that thing of someone pulling a guy around the neck and pulling him backwards where he was maybe facing someone else i think guys who were grappling and maybe on the ground you know at the end of the day that's just you're really holding each other and there's not a whole pile going on but i think definitely this idea of which they could do, which is this kind of thing of someone grabbing you from behind. The MMA chokeholds. That's where
2: it's come from. It is MMA. They're, you know.
4: Well, there it is. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, you know, uh, it wasn't done. Like, it wasn't done when I played. uh, You know, kind of, it was much more, as you say, face-to-face. You know, you didn't have that kind of thing. And actually, like, I know a couple of years ago they tried to bring in, and they still have it that the third man in will get punished. But you see, there's grey area there with that chokehold and there's a grey area with this kind of idea of getting someone in a headlock. So, fellas have probably said, well, this is the grey area. So, if you are going to go in, you're going to go in this way. You're not going to go in swinging because if you go in swinging, you're definitely getting gait. But if you go in and grab someone and pull them down to the ground, like, I mean, a lot of damage could be done. uh, uh, And there's no doubt about it, it could be done. And, of course, if it's happening there, it's happening all over the country. So, like, it was unbelievable to see Goff do four in a row um you know like i mean it was quite amazing uh, but you know it's going to be interesting to see the fallout of it and, and like i mean of course there'll be you know the ddd or whatever it is there'll the, the, the be there'll be videos and there'll be evidence but i think i think it needs to be stamped out because it actually is quite a dangerous tackle um and people will say oh it was handbags but you know you know you'd nearly rather see fellas square up to each other than this kind of i i actually think it's quite a it's quite a it's a cynical and it's quite a, it's quite a it's nearly it's 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 not a very brave tackle to do you know if i'm coming up behind you jer and you don't see me coming and i grab you around the neck and you're maybe engaged with someone else and i grab you around the neck and pull you down to the ground um you know it's a cheap one you know and i don't like it
2: So the red cards were, in in that instance, that it's the correct approach. And actually, uh, everybody taking their suspensions and maybe a diktat going out next time this happens, keep with the red cards. The game might change for the better if we stop this.
4: Well, I think, look... (laughs) Are you going to stop? There was a bit of stuff in the Kerry game as well, um, where fellas are holding each other, and you know you're you're going to get that right, and that there's going to be instances where that happens, you know, start of a game or after half time and stuff like that. Um, and mostly now it's about me trying to hold you and pushing you, so everyone knows that as soon as you go near the face right to like that, you're, you're you're gone. So guys are trying to kind of stamp their physicality on it, but at the end of the day, like really, it's a load of posturing. That's all it is, you know. Like I mean. the, the You know, if you want to be physical and if you want to be, you know, kind of set markers, you set markers down on the ball. So if the ball is there to be won and there's a guy near it, well, he's going to know all about it because you're going to go for the ball with everything you have. And that's where, you know, you see this... The kind of, I, I, you know, when you talk about the physicality in the game or a team setting themselves down, that that's where it really comes to, the ferociousness in the tackle not necessarily taking a fella's head off but just being brave, going down on the ball, you know, turning guys over within the rules of the thing but this 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 idea of you know, we're just going to go around and we're going to kind of, as you say, it, 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 it's posturing to me, you know, like I mean and, and by the way, but the whole idea of this grappling and this kind of thing around the neck is is that Someone has seen that there's a grey area and they're like, OK, well, we can push it to this far. And this is how we can get a little bit over the edge without necessarily suffering major uh, disciplinary processes. But, of course, I think it should happen. And I think you're right. I think to stamp it out, they have to make set a marker now and say, no, this is an issue. You can't grab someone around the neck. You can't do a chokehold. Um, and, you know, you're going to suffer the consequences if you do. I think good stuff. We'll leave it there. Thanks a million no bother lads talk well,
3: to you
2: soon Anthony Moyle's giving us some thoughts there on the weekend's action anything else you wanted to talk about
3: um, I mean you're, well, you're Kildare uh, the, the uh, deflation has already begun on the the scenes from Newbridge previous week has it uh,
2: I mean it's going to be very difficult for Kildare to stay up right that, that's the situation they're in they're outside your top 8 in the power rankings for a good while and um, those teams who come up from Division 2 Staying in Division One is the most important thing you can possibly happen. So there's a few big games coming up. Hmm. There's an there's opportunity for them to stay up, given the way that other results have gone. It's not a, it's not done just yet. But still got to
3: play it at Dublin, so that's guaranteed two points. for there, it's the the key one
2: in Newbridge, of course.
3: Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they take McRow Park as well at the moment, so maybe, it's the, maybe the they want. To,
2: maybe they want to play them in Crow Park. You know, maybe there, there is. I've heard that logic. Yeah, there is. There is part of that. But um, uh, Mayo's victory over Monaghan. Obviously, we haven't talked about Mayo yet, but we will talk about Mayo. I think a bit more in the performance rankings. Uh, McLaughlin's injury is a concern. Um, go away. Go away. Are back. Flecky. Go away. Gone. They beat down in down. Yeah, like I mean, there were, and they were sensational. Obviously,
3: the, the week before. And, I mean, like, golly, you would have expected them to be in the mix for promotion, for sure, like themselves. And Ross Common and Derry look like the three most likely at this point to be fighting it out for those promotion spots at the moment. Like, I mean... Um, well, we uh, come back to this in the power,
2: power rankings, right? Power rankings, yeah, 100%. Because the power rankings is in crisis. It was so wrong last week. Yeah. So wrong. No, no. Hold on. What? Yeah, we'll get to that again. Don't worry. 12 minutes past nine. Here's what's going up on OTB Sports Radio today. Uh, OTB Gold is James McLean at one o'clock. State of the Union Rugby at three. Our Culture Hall of Fame is Stephanie Preisner at four. OTB Gold is Centaur. Uh, Declan Murphy, the jockey, talking about his horrific brain injuries. And then uh, the show is live tonight from seven. We'll bring you hurling with the former Waterford boss, Derek McGrath, before ten. But up next, Alan Quinlan. OTB AM. Oh, be careful. Sort of something- be careful, be no. careful now, be careful. Is, is this just
6: sort kind of something like
3: a couple of the connections kind of sealed
1: off? Like, you know, Andy's saying it's supposed to be a bit <laughs> of a there, but is it something fixable for yourself? Like, you know, like you got it back and then you're frustrated with the one you
0: missed at the end. Just, what's the kind of process for yourself in your own head about that? Uh, just let him calm down for one second well, and then, he'll, uh, well, he'll tell you in a second. No, look, some of the kicks, like even the couple of the first ones were hit exactly where I wanted to hit and it was almost I don't know what the term for it is where where you're aiming slightly right and expecting the the wind to to go right to left and it goes the other way so you know it's uh, it was a tough day um, I was happy with how I recovered from it um, I, I was happy with how it didn't didn't let it affect the other parts of the game um, but yeah of course you you want to get them all I'm, I'm, I'm I'll Lie awake tonight, probably thinking about them. But at the same time, it's it's there was a couple of them that there was nothing I could have done about it. Um, I suppose the, the the one at the end annoyed me because I knew what, what line I had to hit it on, and, and the wind came down, and, and I I changed my mind. Um, that's what annoyed me the most. But the other ones, good kicks, uh, and just yeah, one of those things.
2: Yeah. Okay. So Johnny Jackson in the aftermath, talking about the missed kicks, but really. That's a historical footnote to an absolute thrashing that Ireland handed out to Wales. Uh, Alan Quinlan is with us this morning. Alan, good morning to you. How are you?
5: Morning, lads. How are you?
2: Not a bad start to the Six Nations. There have been slow starts from Ireland in Six Nations past where you kind of leave yourselves a bit snookered, but that's not the case this time. Bonus point wrapped up. Good quality performance. Injury profile pretty good. All in all, about a perfect day's work.
5: Yeah, perfect day's work. I think um, obviously they they left some chances behind them and but overall it was a very positive result and um I see you made Wales online as well, Own Yourself and John Duggan joined you this time. Did you did you spot that? No? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well you met it last year and you irked a lot of Welsh people and uh, We
2: were right then. We were just a year early.
5: <laughs> you were a year early, but uh yeah I was checking it out over the weekend and um it was uh you, you knew you were going to make it again anyway, so maybe it's a regular thing every year now that you're going to make this. But you got it right this time, 22-point win, uh, dominant. Look, Ireland could have won by a lot more. Wales were poor, and they were missing a lot of players, a lot of experienced players as well. That's, um, you know, on, But our results against Wales are in, in Dublin have been pretty positive over the years. So um, I don't think anyone will get too carried away. Um, we all expect it. Ireland to, to be pretty comfortable winners given where they're at and where Wales are at and and, and as I said all the injuries as well and um, the start really set the tone didn't it it, it was kind of a continuation on from, from where they were in November and I think if you're a player in the group and you get that kind of energy and intensity early on and that sort of dominance um, you start to feel good about yourself and the team did and um, you know some great tries I think they probably would have liked to have scored a little bit more in the first half, but I think you know Conway's was his second try it was outstanding. just the teamwork, the, the execution and some of the attack throughout the game was was sensational and they've been criticized for the last couple of years um, but it was really really good. Can we get too far ahead of ourselves? I don't know, but um, given what we saw on Saturday, the signs are really encouraging.
3: I guess the thing is, if there's going to be a moment that's going to bring you back down to earth, it's probably going to be this weekend uh, against France. So I guess it helps that, arguably, their most difficult fixture comes this weekend. But on that point, when you talk about, say, like Conway's second try and a couple of those moments of play from Ireland, it's been spoken about. But but this idea of of different playmakers around the pitch is definitely something that Ireland have. Have kind of followed through it over the last little while where you do have say mac Hanson coming into the middle you've obviously got tyke furlan coming out as as one of the receivers at at times. it does seem as if there is a, a fluidity in that back line at the moment involving the forwards that opposite opposition teams really struggle to get to grips with
5: yeah the impressive thing on is their shape and attack and their ability to make short little passes to each other to be to engage a defensive line each time it's it's um if you're a defender against Ireland's attack, um, when they're going from in those w- from wide to wide, I think everyone's an option coming forward. And I think that's probably... You know, my cat deserves credit for this because he came under a lot of criticism as well. And a lot of these players have had to change, probably um, a style of play that was so effective under Joel um, and brought great success. Obviously, it came to a bit of a stuttering halt at the end. In 2019, um, I think they still need to have that in, in the tank, um, you know, against, you know, France and Saturday could be different. You might have to kick a little bit more and make sure you, you find territory and and like dog it out and be really physical and direct to them at times. But they're not, you only need that for moments in the game. I think they're not going to go back to to kicking the ball away a lot. I think they want to play times maybe they overplayed a little bit in their own half at, at the weekend and, and that's risky and that would be risky in Paris but they're brave and they're excited by 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 what they're doing and if you look at the impact of the back row and the handling skills of Tyburn as well um, and then you, the front row the carrying options Tyburn gave a pass, a little wraparound pass to sex in the first half it was, it was incredible um, so I think they're getting a lot of the attack right and they're getting it right on the game line and their execution is really really um, outstanding but you know you're going to get a different sort of pressure now on on Saturday so um, they'll certainly look back and there was occasions where they needed to be that bit ruthless I'd love to see them all you know have been more effective Um, but look that's it it was against the poor Welsh side and Uh, but they'll be full of confidence and really believe that they can go to Paris
2: I guess that's the thing isn't it like the the November internationals were great in that it it injected a lot of confidence to the team the win at the end of last season's Six Nations was kind of the, the start of this but we haven't yet really played a team like this French team in that run like the New Zealanders are at the end of a very long season they're away from home it's a full house for us this is it now this is us away against a team who are firing on all cylinders had a great little warm up at the weekend uh, you know ni- nice little took a few shots but nothing in any way significant and this is the measure now and it, it's a good it's a good starting point because it's here it's summer in uh, New Zealand and then it's next year Six Nations and then it's the World Cup but it kind of starts properly this weekend so what are your fears about this French team what they might be able to do to us Do we box kick a little bit too much, or the box kick's not accurate enough, or is everything about as good as it can be?
5: Um no, everything's not as good as it can be. I think um you make a valid point about the, the opposition. I think um you know France and Ireland were outstanding against against New Zealand and a lot of the commentators and, and people were saying, Well, New Zealand are on the end of a long season and they're not the New Zealand of old. Um but you know, the way Ireland played and the way France played against them. And rightly, I think, so both both sides kind of sent the message out that um, they were, you know, probably up there with the best teams in the world um, at the end of, uh, in November. I think the worry with France is, and this is a worry I have with Ireland, and maybe they'll answer this, this worry and concern at the weekend is, can they cope with, the physicality and power that the French will bring. You know, England, obviously, when the Vunapolos were there and, you know, you had free and Johnny Hill and Toge and Courtney Laws and all these guys, they've caused us problems in the last couple of seasons with power and the f- physicality. I watched the French against Italy yesterday and, look, they were quite rusty and it wasn't their best performance either. There's a lot of room for improvement there, but one of the things that you're going to get against France on Saturday. It's a real physical power. Um, they have a lot of big ball carriers. And they're quite similar, I think, in 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 their attack um, to, to the way Ireland are playing. But Marchand, the hooker, Batonio the prop, Willems, uh, Jalange, Aldridge, you can start rattling off their ball carriers as well and the impacts they have. And they get over the game line. They're very aggressive counter-rocking. So that's where the test is going to be can Ireland get their mall right? Can Will their scrum be rock solid? Um, and if they have a platform to play, I believe they can you know, be relentless. And the idea against this French side is to try and get multiple phases and hope that you will get some gaps and holes in their defensive line. Easier said than done. If Ireland are beaten by France at a weekend, on your point, Gerrard, does that mean they're suddenly a bad side and this is the first real test? No, it doesn't, because I think they've been incredibly consistent in those three games in November. And showed great signs on Saturday as well at times. So it's always going to be a difficult game. France are on a high, um, and I don't know if there's there's not going to be a lot in it. If you go back two years ago to the to the game that well, it's, a, it's only a year and a half um, when that Six Nations was delayed till, till October, and Ireland lost thirty five twenty seven. France came up with some really big kind of X factor moments from individuals who who broke Ireland down. And that's what you do, You can't let happen on Saturday in, in Paris is you can't let some of their players just produce some individual brilliance and, and score these tries and kind of really take the sting out of, of, of Ireland's pressure and intensity that they want to bring. So, look, there's a lot of questions. Some people think they're the two best, well, they're certainly the two best teams in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, um, and it should be a cracker. It's a real test for Ireland.
3: It'll be the last time Ireland play France away before potentially playing France away in the World Cup as well. Like, I, I when you talk about the, the the power game that France are going to bring to proceedings at the weekend, how will that impact Andy Farrell's team selection this week? Like, we had one commentator earlier on saying that Ian Henderson should definitely be in the mix this weekend.
5: Yeah, there's not a, like they probably a full, full, fairly full bill of health. I suppose Barr Henderson and Henshaw, Keith Earls. But otherwise, you know, um, everyone's fitting. Av- if Henderson's available, I think he will come back onto the bench because he probably brings that bit of physicality, experience, um, and you're going to be coming up against Walky and Willems and the second row, who are big, physical players. I think Villims is the one that kind of does a lot of un- unseen damage in malls and 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 in, at the breakdown and with some of his carries. Um, James Ryan and Tyburn you know, they'll have to be really on their game. And I think our front row, their physicality, and they're probably um Porter and, and and Furlong and Kelleher, you know, they're they're outstanding players. And I think they're they're playing really well at the moment. And their tackle reload and their their impact tackles on the opposition are, are significant. So you've got to stop France a little bit on the gain line and, and and stop that power as much as you can. And I think probably Again, all this is stuff is easier said than done, but just trying to be intelligent with your possession where you play the game and and trying to hold on to the ball for, for long periods. Um, the idea will be to try and frustrate France. If you allow DuPont into Mac and you look at Villiers, the winger, if they get time and space, they can hurt any opposition. And when the crowd get behind France in Paris and they they really believe again and um, they really believe that this is their year. So um, it's about managing the tempo of the game as well for Ireland. And, and, and that's going to be a challenge. But look, I think they're in really good shape on going over there. And Henderson, getting Henshaw maybe back in the bench as well um, would be a, a big call because he's a big game player. And he's powerful, he's aggressive. And I, so I think Henshaw and, and, and Henderson, if they're fit and available, will come back in, in into that 23.
2: Straight to the bench, but not the team?
5: I don't think he I don't think he goes near the team. Bundiaki was brilliant at the weekend. Um not just in his carries. I think he he carried the ball 18 times but just with some of the touches, the passing um he seems to be really kind of enjoying himself. He's not been used as a battering ram. Yeah. Um and I think, you know, it would be a very harsh call on him because I think you know, there's nothing between them anyway. Um, I would have picked Henshaw last week, leading into the game, because of the Henshaw Ringrose access. But um, we're very lucky to have him. So I don't think they come into the team. Um, Henderson's been out for a while, and and do um, kind of put him straight into the team to start? I think you saw last year in in, in Cardiff when Henshaw came off the bench, he came, or when Henderson came off the bench, he came up with two big turnovers so he has that impact in him as well so I wouldn't put him straight into the team no but who knows
2: yeah I, look there were some uh, selection surprises when the team was named last week but you would expect he's been consistent week to week generally um, where you get in you don't get out unless you've done something really bad or um, and even then he's, he's backed people to try and find for him when he's needed to like James Lowe in the past who was your man of the match
5: um yeah, I was t- thinking about this at the weekend. I think Ty Byrne was 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 brilliant again. Obviously he, he he dirtied his babe a little bit with the with the intercepts, but um just the carries and, and turnovers and little death passes, he he was brilliant. Bundyaki was right up there as well, furlong. Um I think Bundyaki. I just think his right. his contribution was brilliant. Um, it's it, you're splitting hairs with a couple of them. The back row, Doris, Van der Fleer, Connor were, were were excellent as well. Um, high performance right across the team and, and a very dominant performance. So um, I, I'd probably go bondiaki
3: uh, Matt Canson obviously got us on TV on the during the, the, the live commentary of it all. I mean his kind of start to, the, to life in Ireland's jersey was, was pretty spectacular I mean it was those early yeah, moments offers, as well
5: that that he um, offers a different dimension doesn't he it's uh, it's brilliant to have that and he's you know he played it at fly half in underage and uh, very comfortable being you know that footballing that footballer and being a second receiver and um, you know for the try the way they kept going one way in towards the post and swept back around um, he gives a different dimension to the attack to have someone who's really comfortable on the ball. And, you know, he had a brilliant performance as well. Um, really good footballer, intelligence in his decision-making. Um, the time Porter turned the ball over and just the reaction for Ringro's try was, that was sublime from, from from that Ireland side. And Hansen, the way he put pace onto the ball and his reaction was, was superb. So he had a big game as well. And, and it's great to see for your first cap
2: He's only 24, he's 23 now, 24 next month as well. So, um, you know, a long future ahead of him and and many caps to come to. Uh, Briefly to talk about England. um, So it looks like the head coach is getting hammered for making a change with 10, 15 minutes left to go that uh, the Harlequins coach seems to think was premeditated. But like, it's not really that unusual for you to take off your right half. Uh, to put on a very experienced, I'd have to try and close out the game. So is Eddie Jones getting hammered here because he's Eddie Jones, or is he getting hammered? Yeah, what's what's I going think on? He's
5: getting he's getting hammered because he's Eddie Jones. I think um, bringing George Ford on wasn't the reason why England lost the game. I thought I thought at the time it was. They were seventeen ten up. It was a game at very tight margins. Um, scores were hard to come by, and Ford coming on was 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 the right idea at the time. Um, it's easy to go and blame, you know, the Marcus Smith coming off that they lost the game. I think what lost England the game was their inability to execute when they got into the Scottish half. They kicked the ball away too much, and their discipline really let them down in that second half. I think the Toza, who, you know, I was on commentary, um, he has so many big impacts in the game, in stifling the opposition, um, turning them over. Breaking up malls, being a nuisance at the breakdown, he gave away three, four penalties in that second half, and on, on Saturday, really crucial ones. And I think that's what cost him. You know, the try, the, the crossfield kick from from the scrum, from Finn Russell was outstanding. England were much too narrow in defence. You know, Van der Merwe gets it, and then they come straight back across the field with a crossfield kick again. I'm just not sure how you you don't from a defensive point of view, not have a back row or a winger on that side of the field that you're exposing your front row with. Right? Will Stewart was on the field, a tight head, Joe Marler, and then Luke Cowan-Dickey. How you can allow your front row to be that exposed but to come back for a cross-field kick again. So they were naive, and they had enough of possession to win the game. I don't think Marcus Smith coming off the field costing them the game. I think that's that's not the reason they lost the game.
2: Scotland aren't bad anymore. Maybe that's one of the things that's going on here as well.
5: No, they're, they're <laughs> confident. Yeah, the, Scotland are confident and they believe going into the game. So I think, you know, Scotland, the biggest problem with Scotland over the years is probably their inconsistency and sometimes um, their power up front in that front five. And, you know, they did struggle at times in the game, but, you know, they come up with that brilliant Ben White try and that was from Darcy Graham, outstanding footwork and attack. Uh, in the first half they didn't really have any sustainable period of pressure in that, that, that England 22 and they you know they come up with the first try of the game um, it's a different England team Jar, let's be honest you know there's no Buena there. there uh, jo- Johnny Hill isn't there Courtney Laws Launchbury they'll no get all those 90. back
2: they'll get all the, oh, they they will, look, you I know guess. and Tulagi just played at the weekend as well
5: too. yeah they can be a different team Johnny May is a world class winger Um, and you know when you have Elliot Daly in the centre who's a winger full back he's not a centre
2: yeah let's not worry about England I think that's the my takeaway from this is like a lot of players got some extra game time that next generation aren't good enough yet just yet to beat a Scotland team playing at the absolute limit of their powers in a big Calcutta Cup game uh, in Edinburgh like this is probably good for England in the long run
5: possibly Um, it just depends whether Eddie Jones that pressure will rank up more on him because um, there's a certain um, probably group in the media who are, are picking and, 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 and trying to expose him a little bit um, he's some people divided opinion on him a lot of staff have moved on the last couple of years obviously the height of the World Cup getting to that final and the way England were playing they were you know, on a real high, but um, very poor Six Nations last year. I I don't know if he can afford another really poor Six Nations. I know people will say it's a World Cup cycle, and in Ireland, we always peak at the wrong time. We hear that so much right up to the World Cup. Um, But I just don't know if, if that pressure really mount if they have a really poor Six Nations again. And I just thought on Saturday, it would have kind of, it would have been a significant win for him with a lot of players injured and a lot of kind of new faces in his group and his squad. And he keeps talking about World Cups and maybe they're right. Um but I just think the pressure will kind of mount a little bit more on him if, if they don't start getting results. They go to Italy next week and I'm sure they'll win that game and, and yeah. then they've got Wales and Scotland. Yeah or Wales and and and, and Ireland. Um so it depends. It depends what happens. In the next few weeks, but I I think there is pressure on Eddie Jones now and some people were were displeased at that the tactics at the weekend, but it's down to the players, you know. As I said, Toge, what a wonderful player at times, but just give away some really poor penalties and made it easy for Scotland. Okay. We
2: we'll let you go. Alan Goodstuff, thanks a million.
5: Cheers, lads. Thanks. Alan
2: Quinn in there from the Red Seventy Eight Podcast. You can get that uh, on the rugby channel on YouTube or of course you can subscribe to the Red Seventy Eight Podcast. And there'll be a new episode uh, dropping in the next couple of days. Uh, right. Only 400 days till we lose a World Cup quarterfinal, says Andrew Sweeney on YouTube. I mean, the likelihood is that we will lose a World Cup quarterfinal because we'll be up against France in France or the All Blacks. That's what's going to happen. So we will be underdogs for a World Cup quarterfinal, no matter how well we play, to get there. And that's assuming that we beat Scotland.
3: Who are looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah. They I also mean, have their own World Cup troubles to a point as well.
2: Well they play Ireland in the World Cup and we beat them. Yeah. Without without like worrying about it. Even when we're playing really badly, we still somehow manage to duff them up. Mm, yeah. It's a bad draw. Uh Porter was world class. Well done, Leona, says Fion McCool. Uh Porter was absolutely amazing. Great win, Leona. Up Cavan, says Shane. Like a Cavan All Ireland victory.
3: Basically. Basically, yeah. It's uh 2020 was the year of the Cavan football or 2021 was the year of Leona and I'd say 2022 probably is going to be Leona's year as well isn't it
2: they're, they're going alright too uh, under the radar obviously in Division 4 Aldo O'Neill says uh, fully expected Gerard to have a parade this morning to celebrate the Wales loss no there's no point I mean the postman doesn't celebrate delivering the post see? he
3: yeah, you created great content for us this morning Gerard thank you for that Italy to beat yeah. Wales says uh, MOC imagine if the Italians beat the Welsh yeah it won't happen but uh, it would be that would be genuinely hilarious um, Italy a tad better yesterday than maybe people would have expected certainly closer in the scoreline than a lot of people would have given them expectation for
2: who is in bigger crisis Dublin or Meath ooh asks Shane you'd have to say it's Meath they're in bigger crisis than Dublin at the moment because Dublin have like loads of really top quality players to come back uh, there's who knows who knows what their training cycle is like Desi was talking about giving young players opportunities in games and that's I mean that's clear what's going to happen and then they have the Leinster Championship to get right as well like that's the point it's it's actually two and a half three months before we see Dublin play a meaningful match yeah. that is going to have an impact on whether or not we view their season as successful or failure um, great to see Ireland play heads up rugby says Michael Davis MC says even the box at the end of a long season will beat Ireland in November uh, but you see them at the end of a very long season and that was a very poor Welsh team Jur has not said anything that is false says Dave Cos it's true we'll see we'll see I mean uh, we, we hammered the spring box a couple of years ago in November and then they hired Razzie and their entire uh, rugby culture got turned around so uh, it's very early for us to be talking about this Dublin will win 10 in a row and split the county to crisis and won't win one for five years have we ever seen such a quick flip by the media after one championship loss and two in the league I don't think uh, if anybody's saying Dublin aren't going to win Nullarain for the next five years they're wrong that's just like that doesn't make any sense how can you look at the wealth of resources they have coming through there's a debate uh, I I uh, Talk to some people who are big into their Dublin football and they don't think the quality of players coming through is anywhere near the same level as it was when they were winning seven in a row. Uh, six in a row? Magnificent six. seven? Six. 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 It finished at six. It's hard to tell. It, it, you know, They they all kind of blended into one. But they obviously had some of the, the best Gaelic footballers of all time in that. It's just that they're going to be, whatever style of play they want to do that is effective, they're going to have enough. High-quality athletes, you would think, who've come through the system, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe, maybe Dublin didn't continue to build the way they should have done when they had the success, and that next generation of players coming through haven't had the same care and attention that the previous generations had because everybody just assumed that it was going to continue.
3: But like that's that's on Dublin, you exactly. know. Like oh. the, the, the question it was like is entirely about what the GEA did to accelerate. growth in Dublin. You can see why the GA did it but to do it, they had to be patently unfair when it came to funding and when it came to the uh, financial model that they used to to, to fund coaches and and to fund development of the game in the county. Again, they wanted a strong game in the capital
2: and that's exactly what they got. They wanted participation and they got participation. And whether or not participation automatically uh, correlates to elite is -hmm. the question. It was up to the dubs to make sure that the elite level was being catered for while the participation numbers were growing, you would say that it seems fairly obvious that the the wider your net, the more likely you're going to get better athletes. Um, and so there should be a, a combination there. But I, I still think that, like, having a, a population centre of over a million versus uh, Longford in the same championship is ludicrous. It doesn't make any it sense. Is, it's still unfair. Like, <laughs> like, it absolutely is still unfair. Like, I don't... Like, I mean... And and they might even get better at harvesting good talent if you were to split it. Like he's said that there's been a
3: flip from Dublin winning ten in a row to one, win one for five years, or like split the county to to crisis. Like I mean, I'm not sure those two things are uh, are, are entirely divorced. Like no, a team can be in splitting. crisis, and you can still accept that the funding model is very unfair on other counties uh, within Leinster, in particular.
2: All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, we are definitely going to be doing performance rankings. Sorry, power rankings. Later on this week in both hurling and football, so uh, I know a lot of you were looking forward to it today. They just need time to settle. Owen needs time to take on board all of the information. His his little birds need to come back to him with all the the whispers of what's going on in the county. Oh
3: yeah, exactly, exactly. We're um...
2: if you want if you want to be one of those little birds, all you have to do is slide into his DMs. He loves that. Nine forty two this morning on OTBAM. All you got to do is uh, get in touch. Uh, you can leave a comment on YouTube, or of course you can get us always seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number. Um, Right, let's hear some uh, Derek McGrath. Goodness, tomorrow we will have a new, we may have a new edition of the football power rankings. There's more rugby, there's GA, in there's football as well.
5: OTB AM with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors.